reach out Yeah, your skin can bring you so much pain Now I hear you say You got the best of both ways Won't you come and take a walk in my shoes And tell me if you take my place Under the cover of my skin Welcome to episode number 207 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. There's a lot of running podcasts out there and we really appreciate that you're spending some time with us today. Welcome to my co-host in Canberra, Bradley Croker. Welcome to this week's episode, mate. Thanks, Brady. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Brad. It's all starting to get better, isn't it? Everyone's coming out of lockdown. Weather's good. Everything's good at my end. Can't complain at all. Fully vaccinated as of last week, so I'm all good. Got my vaccine passport thingy. Yeah, I got my second jab this morning, so I think I get my sort of, I can access it in a day or two, I think. Yeah, they pretty much send you a text message a day after saying it's like ready to go, add it yeah. to your phone. And I reckon we're almost at four year, the four-year anniversary. We're very, very, very close. I don't care, Brad. I care about the number of episodes, not the, I know. Not the year anniversary, but good point. That was for Moose, more for Moose, even though he's not here. Moose is not here, ladies and gents, but he should be with us in about six and a half, seven minutes' time. He's just travelling back from Ballarat, running late, so we'll start the show, and then the big fella will be with us shortly. Maybe a bit rattled with the new baby croaks, hasn't been able to figure out his new timetable yet. Caught him off guard yeah. a bit this recording time. I saw he was up pretty early this morning getting a run in. Yeah, he did, did 10k continuous or something, I think, but he'll talk about that when he joins us. Do you want to go first, mate? Tell us about your run a week. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, had a bit of a mix mixed week like I didn't run as many kilometers as I wanted which was um yeah largely just being a bit soft and having pretty crap weather up here for the second half of the week but um yeah Monday just uh 10.7k at 416s um did a few drills and strides at the end of that and then Tuesday morning went out for another lap of mulligans 427s for seven and a half k uh then I met up with Rob um, for a session on the Tuesday afternoon, back at the same place where we trained the week before. Um, didn't feel great warming up. Had a bit of that sort of left foot slap in the ground, and um, even doing strides didn't feel amazing. Uh, session was seven. I did seven by three minutes off a minute jog. Um, yeah, like I didn't. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Like I didn't feel very smooth on any of the reps. I felt like I was running pretty much as fast as I could go. But then the heart rate data actually wasn't too bad. Like I only averaged 158 for the whole session, which is not super high. And, and I averaged um, 322s for, this, for the to- total session. So I was probably averaging around three, just under 315s for the um, for the three-minute reps. And it probably turned into a bit more of a float than a jog recovery. So I was probably averaging about 350s for the, for the minute jogs, um, which I find when I do – sessions around a loop my jog recoveries are always way faster than if i do sort of an out and back um session so you mean because you don't have to do that u-turn yeah or you just i think when you do out and backs you focus more on just the actual reps whereas when when you're doing a loop you slow down after three minutes but you're still actually still you know you're still sort of rolling um and because the i don't know if you find this as well with koros when i set up 
a session in my watch, when it beeps over to a new lap, the watch face changes. Yeah, that annoyed me. So I, I never put workouts into it anymore. I just hit it manually. Yeah, and so I never really because it changed like, and it wasn't really. I had to then try and like flick through to see what was actually running for the recovery. So it wasn't until the end of the session that I looked back and I'm like, oh, that probably explains why it felt a bit tougher than it should have um, because the floats you know, ended up recovery's being pretty pretty solid. So last um, week when you did those two minutes, you did them with Rob, didn't you? Because I was yeah. wondering why your pace was a bit slower. So this week, did you go solo? Or are you still yeah. Yeah, I went solo this week. Yeah, um, yeah, but I, like it was one of those ones where yeah, it just didn't feel like I don't think even if I jogged the recovery slower, I don't think I would run much faster for the reps. It just I just felt a bit bit tight through the back. So um, it's mechanically, isn't it? Like your heart rates. Yeah, I'm just looking yeah. at yeah, yeah. It's like hardly getting to 160 at yeah, 310 kind of pace. And, and that's and that's the issue I have now is like some sessions I do on paper look absolute garbage, even though I'm putting in effort. But then the heart rate doesn't get up. But then I know that the fitness is there. Mm. Um, so anyway, and then Wednesday, my back was my back was really bad. This day, I um I started off. I ended up averaging four thirty threes for seventy minutes. I think the first couple of k's was like four forty fives, and my my back was just sort of aching. Couldn't really open up my stride, and I stopped up. Actually, I stopped up to five hundred meters. I thought about turning around, but. I just wanted it like it was just nice being out of the house. I'm like, you know what? I can still just shuffle around, um, and so it was just nice being out. It was a bit bit wet, um, so I did 70 minutes at 4:33s. Um, but yeah, it was like between Tuesday and Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm like, well, body's not not amazing. Uh, Thursday, I went out in the afternoon, just a, a loop from home, so on on bike paths down to a pond, down to down to a lake and back. Um, so hour at 4:10s, that felt a fair bit better. Uh, and then Friday, um, yeah, like Friday, was it Friday and Saturday, the weather here was just filthy. It, like pissed down rain pretty much all day Friday with like sort of storms through the middle of the day, pretty windy. So because I had like it didn't feel great on Tuesday or Wednesday, I, I sort of I psyched myself out a little bit. And so I put it off, put it off, and then it got too late. And I just went, oh, stuff it. I'll, I'll do a session Saturday morning. So I didn't run Friday at all. And then Saturday was probably worse. It was um, uh, what was it? It was like forty k an hour wind with gusts of fifty, mm. and I went out to Mulligans and warmed up. I didn't feel too bad, um, but then this was the opposite, Brady. So I felt complete garbage during this session. So I ended up doing a tempo. When I started the tempo, I thought, oh, I'll do at least a lap, which is like sort of just under seven k, and then maybe do some like thirty second reps or some, some thirty second hills afterwards. And um, I started at the base of a hill, ran up the hill, which was also into the, to the headwind, and like I was gassed. Like I was gassed after the first like 90, 90 seconds, and like I only averaged three what three thirty threes for for twenty minutes, where my and my heart rate was through the roof, which was completely different to the Tuesday afternoon. Um, so I pulled the pin at twenty minutes, and oh, yeah, then jogged. nearly one seventy. Yeah, like I'd run real 20, 25 seconds a k slower. Yeah, have a look how early, how early it went through the roof. I was just, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if it was um. Was it like accurate or like you could feel your heart beating as well? Like you said, you felt uh, gassed. Yeah, I felt like I, was, I felt like I was working hard, um, but all, but it felt very similar to how it felt on um, on Tuesday. Uh, so anyway, I thought I'd just pull the pin at twenty minutes um, and then do some. I did six thirty seconds sort of hills. Um, 
afterwards just to salvage sort of the session. Um, yes, yeah, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a great one for the confidence, but one thing I'm I'm getting better at is realizing that uh, as I'm getting older, like the sessions don't generally often indicate like how well I'm going. And whereas when I was younger, like you go out the door every day, and unless you'd overtrained. You, like your running was very consistent. Your body felt the same each day. Your sessions were generally a good indication of where you're at. Um, but now that I'm a bit older, some sessions are complete garbage, even though I'm actually quite fit. It's just that you know, on any given day, if my back's a bit tight, um, I just don't, I just don't move well, and I just can't generate the the same amount of power, especially. And it's sort of compounded if it's on a hilly. If it's on a hilly loop, I just don't have that power to get myself up the hill. So I end up sort of gassing myself a little bit. Um, but anyway, I got it done. Um, and then Sunday, was act- I was actually going to go out for a second run on Saturday afternoon. But given given the weather uh, and the wind, I'm just like, you know what? I don't don't need to be chasing Ks at, at this stage. Um, so I didn't run Saturday afternoon. And then Sunday um, felt actually really good. I, um, I did two hours, average 4.07s. 20 just over 29k and it's probably the best i've pulled up from a long run in in ages like i find you know sometimes i get a bit tight through the back and the hips toward in the last half an hour and sometimes i feel pretty ordinary like the rest of the day whereas um yeah like i I felt good and then that afternoon we went out for a walk as a family and um felt yeah felt way better than i did the day before so i think that that session on saturday even though it wasn't very good, it was hard. Like it felt hard, and I reckon running tempos over hills, it just like it sort of um, it shocks the body a little bit, and so then everything else feels a little bit easier. Whereas I think with, when you train on the flat a lot, you can get away, you can get away with feeling pretty good on most sessions. Whereas yeah, hilly hilly tempos, you know, they make you they make you strong and I mean, they, physically yeah, exposure. They expose yeah, any weakness you have where you can kind yeah. of get away with it a bit on the flight. Same as cross-country racing. Yeah, When it's exactly. hilly and muddy and you don't get rhythm, yeah. Yeah, so it's physically and mentally, I think, good for you doing those hilly ones. And I think it's really good for, for marathoners for that because, you know, you need to sort of harden yourself physically and mentally um, for, you know, two and a half hours of battle. Um, so, yeah, it was only 113K for the week, which was, you know, I probably was hoping to do – Oh, like 120 to 130 when I started the week, but um, it's okay. I got through two sessions, and um, I often find as well that when I'm coming back into, if I've done sessions for a long time, you sort of have that little bit of inconsistency. You have a good one, and then you'll have a bit of a bit of a rough one. But uh, yeah, as long as I'm putting in the work, the um, the fitness will be there. It's a good point you make there, and it's a good point. I was thinking this during the week when you start marathon like specific training as well. Sometimes you're tired and your body's like hasn't absorbed some stuff and you have that kind of shocking session sometimes mm. in the first couple of weeks. Do you ever find yep. that? Oh, yeah. That's like, another yeah. thing. You're just like, oh, yeah, that session didn't go how it was planned and then you're like, oh, I'm still tired from that long run I did two days ago. And that's where I think we spoke about it before, but I think I get more confident. Like if I'm going into a race, I get more confidence by looking at Strava and looking at the blue bars and how consistent they've been and also like the average mileage for the last like three or four months, if if that's high or if that's good, like if that's at a good level, it doesn't really matter what I've done from session to session. I know I'm going to be fit. Um, so I think it's more about just putting in the putting in the effort and, you know, come race day, if you've done the work, even if the sessions aren't great, your body will, your body will respond. 
um, like for example, you know, that Tuesday afternoon and even the Saturday morning, if that was a race on those days, I'm sure my body would have been okay because I would have, I would have got myself into the right headspace. Um, I would have spent probably more time at home, you know, having a having a hot shower before the session, you know, getting yourself up for it. And I'm sure I'm sure my body would have been way better than it was. But because it's training, you don't really get yourself into that same mindset as you do for a race, or you, or you probably don't prepare your body as well either before a session. Yeah. Correct. So now, welcome to you, by the way, Moose. How are you going? Welcome to episode number 207. Thanks for the welcome. can hear you, hear you shuffling papers away there in the background. Coming nice and quiet. Thank you. Yeah, well, I didn't want to disturb the glorious week of Brad Croker. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty garbage. I don't know how much of you heard. <laughs> disturb the wisdom that he was spitting out. Sounds on trend then. Um, Bradley talking about like getting up for races, athletics, New South Wales have come out hard announcing races, like they're not mucking around. You got a couple penciled in thinking about, I don't at this stage. I, um, yeah, like if I knew, I guess if I had a crystal ball and I knew, you know, two months ago that there's going to be races in two weeks time, um, I probably wouldn't have, you know, just jogged for eight weeks. Um, and then I'll, you know, because like, like the last session, was I it eight did, weeks that you just didn't do work. Pretty much, yeah. yeah, it was pretty much our whole, it's pretty much our whole lockdown period. So the last session I did was I did Deke's quarters and then I did a, a 8k tempo around Mulligans and then did nothing for seven or eight weeks. And so if I sort of kept that going, then yeah, like New South Wales 3k's in a couple of weeks and then I think. Um, state relays and thanks down 10k and yeah New South Wales 10 so um, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm more than a couple of weeks away from being ready to race but uh, but we'll see get those dragonflies on a couple of track sessions yeah you'll be right well yeah it's a long way to go though when you're not like in when you're not you know well, when you're going three hours yeah three hours each way so long way it is, it is when you're not fit. You're not, what, to go up there and run nine minutes for a 3K. Mate, I go down to Melbourne and run for the Bendigo Bats in these you know, cross-country races I hate doing, three hours each yeah. way. Well, there's talk maybe um, New South Wales Relays putting a Sydney Uni team over 40s, 4x8 and 4x15 together. <laughs> try, and break, try and break a few state records. Garbage races. <laughs> over 40s, 4 but Imagine croaks in an 800 metres, Moose. What, yeah. What's the record? Uh, I think we have to average 208. Oh yeah, should be able to do you're that. You're kidding. Yeah, for the over 40s, and I think the 1500 is averaging. Uh, what was it? Four. I oh, don't. Just over four. Four eighteen, maybe. Where have we yeah. got to on this show? The amount of like, stuff we talk about kids on here now, and now we yeah. talk about breaking over 40 track records. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost the plot. Imagine if you're a 70 year old kid who relays Relay records. Yeah. yeah. Relays. Jeez. Well, well some, st- uh, some stuff's happening anyway, potentially, with you. Yeah. Moose, tell us about Good. your run a week. Well, well give I. Give us a actually, life update first. How have you been going? Um, second week now of, of having a baby. So today was my first day back at work. And. It was the first day that Pia decided not to go to sleep for the whole afternoon. <laughs> so, um, I've, I'll, so I'll, the um, snooze on eBay. Snoo. That's what I said. I'm like, what did you put it in the snoo for? That's why we paid all this money. Let it do its job. It's like having a babysitter, but letting the babysitter watch TV all day. Do you only use a snoo at night? 
that's that's been like the philosophy we're going with. I had some but, mates message me going like, "Hey, he's talking up this snoo thing. It's real hard to get the babies off him after a couple of months. Like they just become addicted to him." He's like, "This guy's that's all right. Now, It'll grow." It... <laughs> come February, March, he's going to be complaining about this snoo thing. Who said that? Can't give away the name. Blokes who don't have snooze, that's who. A couple of Bendigo dads. Couple of Two face, blokes who Facebook never had a snoo, but always wanted one, but their wife wouldn't let them. Mm. That's who's saying those No things. one whips it off that's ever had one. Put it that nah. way. Nah. And nah. Moose would be too, even if it was crap, Moose would be too scared <laughs> now to say it's crap because we give him so much shit. I enjoy waking up at seven and reviewing how much sleep the baby's had. Um, it's like a training peak sort of thing. What about anyway. your Strava? I've just clicked on your blue bars. It's like five times bigger last week than the week before. Did you do a stack of bike ride or you been running? I just haven't done anything for ages, so that's why it's so high, surely. 118K. That must be bike as well. Yeah, what do, I, what do you click bike. on for that? I look at your profile. Like I got the top. Oh, yeah, like the 121K. The, the yeah, that's a good glass. week. Okay. And now yeah, it, I it accidentally includes... type in Moose there as well. I'm like, oh, his name's Julian. <laughs> I've got, um, yeah, I rode like 70-something K, mountain biked it. Um, yeah, I did. I, I can go through my running week. It won't take very long. Um, let me just – I just clicked out of it cause, to see that those bars. Uh, but I'll get on it now. Oh, gee. This is um, this is a little road, annoying. Road to, road to nowhere vibes here, Moose. Mm. Well, you've pulled me straight in from getting out of a car, basically, for 90 minutes. Um, so, yeah, on on Tuesday, I uh, – oh, God, what was Tuesday? You tried to run like Bikili, 35 minutes. And that was oh, Monday. Yeah, that was Monday. Yeah. That was Monday. You spoke about that, that last week, though. Mm. Yeah, I did. I did try like that, and it, I don't think I hit it. And I think being so far on my forefoot gave me sore calves. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so the next day I had a bit of a license to finish my run strong. I save it to the afternoon because my body feels better after being awake and moving for a few hours and ran out along the cliffs. And then on the way back, I, the last K I was allowed to kick down the pace. So I ran 3.43 and, and that felt that actually felt pretty good. I know the heart rate's high and all that, but just moving faster was nice. So I did 8K and an average 432. Uh, but, yeah, the next morning I had a day off. So I'm still having rest days throughout the week. I, r- I rode on the single speed. I rode down to Aries, rode with Ali for a bit for her 18K run. And then on the way home, rode back on the hilly route. And I was actually pretty cooked when I got home here. Two hours 17 on the bike. Uh Having one gear on these hills is difficult because they're so steep. You you really have to – your heart rate gets up. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of wore me out a bit. Next day ran – I was back running, so I ran 10K. Uh, joined – Ali joined me for this. Um, just nothing to report. <laughs> next, next day I ran on the treadmill. I just wanted to try it out. The pretty average weather outside as well. So that got me in, indoors and I had the heart rate on. Um, and that pace is not far off what the treadmill was saying either. So at the moment, the heart rate's pretty average. Um, the fitness is so far back from where I've ever come from. It's, it's like starting all over again. I, I'm having trouble 
like I've always been able to come back really quickly and be able to do sessions within a couple of weeks and and now the, the heart like the fitness is so low that I just jog and it's a, an effort and I get tired from it so I'm finishing these runs like 40 minute runs actually fatigued feeling like I want to stop um, so I had to so the next day I ran 12k and this was an awful run like I really didn't enjoy it enjoy it I got my osteitis pubis has come back a bit so pelvic pain in um, the lower abs and the adductors and this was super windy straight into a headwind up that cliff along the cliffs to bells and then I had a tailwind back which was nice but I don't know just didn't was, was not covering it well I can guarantee that and and so I said to Ali I'm like I'm not ready 12k was too far today and it was like tail between my legs like I need less this is not this is not a, the right amount um, I think the right amount probably would have been about eight to ten and so yeah this week's less k not less k's overall but um, less progression so I need to plateau for a while while I run continuously for longer and hopefully the body catches up a little bit i'm getting a few little niggles from running again that uh that i've sort of haven't had like for a long time like the osteitis pubis and a bit of achilles stuff so yeah the body's not in a great place but the knee feels really good and i'm still hitting the gym at least three times a week which is also a nice feeling because i feel like there's progress there that i haven't um i haven't been able to uh, take advantage of yet because I've only been doing these gym sessions for a month really and we know that it takes like six eight weeks to get real benefit from that so I think eventually I'm gonna um, get that strength and, and things will come good so what are, how many k's I think I did um 45 k's or so running okay oh, so, yeah Sunday I rode the bike on the long run so it's good to get in the group solid long run real hilly, hilly I did, yeah. 600 meters yeah Pretty, pretty good, pretty good long run. A few of the guys uh, switching the focus to Melbourne now that it, um, now that it's looking more and more likely. So the long runs Sundays will get more, more meaty. It's gonna come around quick too, isn't it? Wasn't it eight mm. weeks on Sunday? Yeah, it, it was, and that's that's six weeks of training, mm. really, isn't it? Yeah, that's good though. There's some good stuff going in Strava next couple of weeks. Yeah, isn't it funny to see on Sundays this week, you're like, okay, marathon, marathon, marathon. Yeah. <laughs> you can't hide that shit. You're, if you're running over 30K, you probably got run a Melbourne marathon. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second because I've got some uh, news about that as well. I'll whistle through my week though. Uh, Monday, 50 minutes easy in the morning, 4.43s, and 40 minutes easy in the afternoon at 4.27s. A bit tired on Monday, like which is expected because it was like two hours 40 on Sunday. So just slow, just go easy, let the body kind of repair itself, recover. Uh, Tuesday, met up with Glenn. Uh, she didn't come to this one. I think he was sleeping in. He's been doing uh, some big work hours. I tell you, he moved into a new house as well, bought a house. So he's been like busy with life stuff. So we had this morning off. Got so, the missus still? Uh, single at the moment. Single oh, and ready to new house. In. And owns a house at how old? Twenty? Just gone. Well, it's twenty in June or July, I think. So yeah, oh, he's entered the property market. Single. So, yeah, if you just Dangerous. Slide, slide on, slide into his DMs on Instagram if you're interested. Um, 
10 by 1k we did which actually it wasn't bad not having archie there for this workout because usually he's a bit quicker than me so and i think like i haven't trained by myself for a long time it's good to get in your own rhythm and your own like form and just kind of like settle down a bit made you feel like you're top dog of the town again yeah top dog of the the two people that were trading together so yeah that was good and i love doing 1k reps out and back so i did 10 by 1k i put a cone at the start a cone at 500 a cone at the end and then I kind of did like a shuffle jog, like 550, six minute K pace for 90 seconds. And then I just go back again. And the only time I check my watch is past that 500 meter cone. I don't worry about looking at pace any other time in the um, rep. And pretty much every rep I was going through in like 129, 130. Just felt really good. Um, just like, yeah, real rhythm and form kind of workout. So that was nice. Beautiful morning too. Like sun was up and just things felt good. So um, that was good. And then I got my second AstraZeneca shot at lunchtime at school just made it back to school in time because you know you've got to wait like 15 minutes or 10 minutes before they let you go mm. yeah really stretched so i uh, quickly went down there quick jab in the arm talked to the nurses for 10 minutes and then i was uh back to school and then i did 7k in the afternoon on tuesday pulled up fine had no like indication reaction at all to having that shot because wednesday i got out for 24k um, listen to Road to Nowhere, hour 45, average 420 pace. That was nice, just out and back on the dirt roads. 7K in the afternoon at 4.30s. Thursday, oh, Thursday was a real sad day. Our cat Thomas passed away uh, Wednesday night, fellas. 17 years old. Ah, that's so, rough. Bloody, this is the first time I've had a pet in my life as well. It was like Carly's pet. And um, when we started dating, I um, become, you know, dad of this cat kind of thing. Kind of adopted it, brought it into the family kind of thing. And it's just funny how they, well, it's not funny, like it's it's so weird at home now when they're not there. Like he did stuff all, but you just always just saw him walking around and you'd say mm-hmm. good day to him when he got home from work, you'd let him out in the morning. And then, yeah, Wednesday night, like, yeah, about 11.30, we heard some noises and went up and he was kind of having his last couple of breaths and then, yeah, he died on this Wednesday night. So, yeah, it was a real, uh, real rough day Thursday. I was quite sad because that's the day I stay home with Hudson. So he doesn't really give me much on Thursday. And then I was just thinking about Tom the whole day. So, um, yeah, we've just been... That's no good, mate. Oh, Sorry to hear that. No, that's, 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 that's it's weird because at the time you're like, it's just a pet. Don't get upset. Mm. But then you just think about it all the time and you're just like, no, nah, it's okay to get upset. They kind of bring so much joy to your life, pets. And if you want to be upset, like, yeah, you can't tell. Oh, it's yeah. definitely it's a okay weird, to be yeah. upset about a pet. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, every day. Every day you hang out with him. Yeah. Yeah, and he was pretty cool. Like, he didn't do much, but he was just a good cat, just always chilled out, didn't cause us any trouble. So, um, yeah, so that was Thursday. So I got out for half an hour in the morning before uh, clocking on with Hudson for the day, and then 14K in the afternoon. And I actually listened to this week's interview. Uh, James did it with Eloise Wellings with um, her London Marathon kind of recap and then like into some listener questions and stuff. And Eloise is just really good at storytelling. And maybe it was because I wanted to think about something different than, than Tom Dine, but she just told some good stories in this episode, which you'll hear at the end of the show. And just I just got caught up in it. And yeah, she's a good storyteller. So that was a good kind of distraction in the afternoon on Thursday. Friday, uh, got out for 10K in the morning and just did like eight 200s. So just went like up and down on this road. I don't even, like I just measured on my watch pretty quickly, put some cones out, just like 31, 32s I think they were. Um, just trying to work on a bit of that leg speed. Just when I go to marathons, marathon kind of work, I like doing some faster stuff just to keep that turnover there. 
the big news up here, fellas, the river absolutely flooded. Moama Beach. Did I take you down there, Croaks, when you visited Moama? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think you were too busy showing me the industrial estate. Took you out, I did take you out there. Took you to Parkdown. Took you, took you a few places. Anyway, this beach we got in Moama, underwater, totally flooded. It's going to really ruin our uh, warm-up loop on a Tuesday morning that we usually do. And then we're on, like, flood watch. And I don't know how it works, but they, the guy from work was trying to tell me today that they, like, let water out of dams and stuff higher up. And they've got to let the water out of the dams because all the dams are full. But then they've also got to, like... Um, do it to make adjustments for when the snow melts because that all comes down the Murray as well. So it's like a real balancing act at the moment. So that's going to be interesting. You guys know, you know I've asked you this before. You don't know anything about the river systems in Australia. How close do you live to the river? Oh, no, I'm not going to get flooded. I'm like, I don't know, okay, 800 metres away. How high off the, how high up, up? Is, like... is, he, is he in my way, my heights? Yeah, <laughs> right at sea level here. There's no hills, remember? <laughs> Are no, you at sea level or no, below sea level? No elevation. Well, my house is not going to get flooded, put it that way. But there are a few running tracks are over, like, being taken over. And um, the kids at school were telling me today there was a red-bellied black snake at the um, skate park on the weekend because all the snakes have to go, like, out of their normal locations because the water, like, pushes them all up. Oh. So, like, people that say stories about, nah, snakes will never attack you when you're running, like, you're going to create vibrations on the tracks and stuff. I'm like, mate... Snakes are at a skate park. There's like 50 kids on bikes and scooters and skateboards, and there's still a snake rolling around the skate park with all those vibrations going on. <laughs> well, they're not there to eat them. The snakes? Yeah. I know. These, not, these kids are pretty not... scared. <laughs> I said, write me a story about your weekend. This kid goes, yeah, I had an awesome weekend. Saw a red-bellied black snake at the, um, at the skate park. Anyway, getting off track. Uh, then got out for an easy jog Friday afternoon, 4.31 pace. Easy 60 minutes on Saturday. Then we went to Bendigo, super windy here as well, Saturday croaks, average 4.39s. Went to my mum's 60th in Bendigo after that and drove home. Saturday night, Hudson was spewing all night because he ate birthday cake and a couple of aunties gave him some different food he's never had before at the birthdays. So that was good fun. Always good fun when they do that at the birthday party croaks and then you're the one cleaning up spew at 11.45pm that night. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit happening this week, fellas. Um and then Sunday, got out. We did a long run into a bit of a workout. So we did 30K. This is Nathan Stode and I, because we're getting ready for Melbourne Marathon in eight weeks. Archie and Glenn did the first 20K jogging with us at about four-minute pace. Then we did an extra 10K to make it 30K at four-minute pace. Changed some shoes. Had a quick sig. A quick sig. A quick, uh, a quick, yeah, a quick ciggy. Old school. <laughs> a quick swig of our drinks. Poor, man, poor man's attitude training. Yeah, if you don't have any hills, you've just got to start smoking darts in between <laughs> your, your session and your long run. Uh, it changed shoes, and then we did 2 by 3 k at like 3.13, 3.14 pace. K float at about 3.45 in between those ones. 1K cool down, which was 38K. Probably a bit quick. Like, we got... Got out a bit quick, and I just yeah said to Nathan a couple of times, this needs to be close to like 316, 318 kind of pace, hopefully. That's the kind of marathon shape we're in. But um, it felt like we were running with the brakes on, which, yeah. A lot of people always use that saying, and I don't like it. I think it's been, oh, what's the word? You know when people say, I do stuff, and it was easy, and it was controlled, and I had the brakes on, and then they like they don't perform on race day? Hmm. You've heard this plenty of times, haven't you? I've probably done yeah. it for years. So I don't like <laughs> I don't like saying it too often, but we actually I kept saying slow down, we'll just just pull off a bit here. So we've got to get better at, at tuning into that kind of pace. 
Um, so that was 166k for the week. Melbourne Marathon's looking good. What are we giving it now, Moose? 100%? 80 last week, 100 this I'm, week? I'm at 85 now. It's getting higher. It's getting higher, but I'm still waiting on some things. Got some concerns? Yeah, well, I still haven't seen an event happen yet. True. Not in Victoria. Not in Melbourne, yeah. So I haven't seen it happen with my own eyes. So I'm, I'm, that's why that extra 15% remains. Well, the elite athlete coordinator contacted me during the week last week and asked if I was still keen to run. And I said, sent me a code to get my entry in. So that's got to be a good sign from the organizers. What's the appearance fee? Zero. What it is at every other race I've done in my life. Same, <laughs> same price. But he sent me the elite field today. This is some names they got down. Men's Marathon. Brett Robinson, Tom DeCano, Andy Buchanan, Ed Goddard, Ben Kelly, uh, Jamie the Beast Cook, Matt Davey, uh, myself and Nathan Stoke there. So it's pretty solid on the men's. Women's race, Ali Pashley, Sarah Klein, Carly Thackeray. Uh, just says Weber. Not sure who's that, who that uh, first person is. Do you know her? Weber? Rosie, Rosie Weber, I think. From where, Crooks? Uh, I think she's... I think she's run crew. Says her, uh, she's doing a debut. Miriam Dowley. Um, and then there's, yeah, loaded in the men's half marathon with Dave McNeil, Jack Bruce, Tim Vincent, Liam Bowden. Women's half marathon, Sinead Diver, Lisa Waitman, Alois Wellings, maybe Izzy Bat Doyle, Paige Campbell, Whitney Sharp, 10K, Rose Davies, Jordan Williams, Jude Thomas, Zach Patterson. So they're pretty confident, Bruce, that they're putting these uh, fields together. Yeah, I mean, this is great. People want to raise um, domestic. It is good, out. and I know I know it's different. I know it's different to Gold Coast, but six days before Gold Coast, we had the same fields. Oh, well, we had, like, brilliant yeah. fields. So, uh, like, <laughs> just because someone's putting a field together doesn't mean the race is going to happen. Yeah. But I, I am confident now. I am really confident. Enough that I've suggested, like, okay, let's commit to this. So um, if you're in that position, uh, like... I would do it. It's very different to Gold Coast, though, now, Moose. It's like the country's, like, the country's now just accepting cases and just going, well, our vaccination rates are going to be high enough, and if there's outbreaks, then so be it. Yeah, I get that. The feel is, the feel is there. Um, it just, it just need, I, just, <laughs> I just haven't seen it. And it, things have been taken away so often when the likelihood was so high that that would happen. That I'm just a bit still scared. Mm. Anyway, I'll keep training towards it anyway. I think commit to it. Um, yeah, put put a, put together a good block hopefully, and then we'll uh, see what happens on race day. You just never know what you're going to get weather wise, do you? Melbourne December, like it could be a slow day, could be a fast day, could be windy, could be hot, but it's, oh, it's, an it's opportunity to run a marathon. It's it's surely going to be hot, like in December. Um, yeah, to it Melbourne can't... though. Melbourne's not that hot of a city. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Sam... You ever, ever, ever been to the Aussie Open? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. like two weeks later. <laughs> we left. We had, we left one day. We're like, you know what? I'm cooking here. Let's go back to the hotel and watch it on TV. <laughs> like, we got to about four o'clock in the afternoon. We're both cooked. <laughs> but gets, no, it's not. It... It's not hot down there. <laughs> December's not as hot as February in in January though. Yeah. Yeah. Have a guess. I've just Googled what the average temperature is in December in Melbourne. 19. The top? Uh, no, not the top, the average. average the average. Day. Uh, 24? Oh, hang on, I don't think I've Googled the right thing. The average no, high temperature 19. in December is 23.7 as a high. Oh, good by you, Brad. Thank you. the average low temperature is 12.7. Yeah, so it starts at 6. So maybe like... 
six. The sun's yeah. still not going to be up until like. Yeah, well. It's not. Yeah, oh, well. yeah, in, yeah. In another eight weeks' time, it probably will be. It's not. It's yeah. not light at six at the moment. Mate, I was up at six this morning. The sun, it was light. Not like on ya. It's up, so you can see the road, but you're not getting. Doesn't need to be up. They started. Oh, you doing up at six? You feeling alright? <laughs> I have to go to work now, and I have to run before work. It's no. Anyway, um, there's other races. They start in the dark. Gold Coast starts in the dark, in yeah. there for the half. Yeah. It's, yeah anyway, that's Brady, the dark. You know what? You can't control the weather. I've got nothing. So, I, don't, I actually don't care what just, the weather is. Just like, race. Yeah, yep. I'm just racing. If anything, a bit of rough weather might be good for blokes, you know, me hopefully coming in, you know, top 10, maybe 10 to 15. Like, it might slow some, might be some only carnage if, up front, and I might come 8th or 7th or something. But that's only if you prepare and race accordingly. Yeah, because true. Are, are you preparing, knowing that it could be warm? Are you doing anything for that? Well, well, we started an hour later on, we usually start at seven on Sunday, but I started at eight and it was like with the idea that when we were doing our workout part, it was going to be like 14, 15 degrees. But yeah. Yeah, that ain't it. That ain't it. <laughs> that day leaves out. I haven't done much yet. Start doing some free oh, cooling and stuff, you reckon. And I had my singlet <laughs> off for the, for the marathon part of the Oh, I'm going to start when it's 14 instead of 12. Yeah, that's good heat training. <laughs> heat adapt. Gee, i tell you what you would have been good at. Doha, Should world champs. Chuck you at Doha. Do a bit, <laughs> bit of that. 14 degrees instead of 12. I actually you don't like that. running in the I'm not that good in the heat either. Like I hate doing long runs in the heat. So, yeah. I think I've still got, like, yeah, bad memories from Melbourne when I did in 2015 as well. I'm going to have to go see a sports psychologist before this race, I think. That wasn't even hot that day either. No. But that was not at all. When you run the last 5K over 20 minutes, it's a bad experience. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll keep us posted how Melbourne's tracking in the next couple of weeks. Let's thank the Patreon supporters. Croaks, can you kick us off? All right. I've got Marissa Ferguson this week, uh, maybe based in Melbourne and maybe ran a 3.12 marathon at Melbourne in 2019 and is also maybe an assistant lecturer in the anesthesia teaching and research department at Melbourne University, Brady, or? Oh, I don't know, mate. I don't like stopping don't them that much to tell you exactly where they work. Well, thanks for your support, Marissa. Mm, it's very smart if that's her job. Mm. Very switched on person. Thanks, Marissa, for your support. And if that's you, well done on having that job title. Uh, Moose, who you got? I have Tris Christian. Uh, I wonder if that's Tristan Christian. What do we think? Tristan Christian or Tris Chris? I've never heard of someone called Tris before, but mm. they are. They're from. I think that's a shortened version of Christian. Don't know. Agree. That was his Strava name. Was this? Yeah, that's I just usually think, the same as your birth certificate. I think Tristan Christian is a mouthful. Um, so he's probably just made. Oh, he shortened it on purpose, you think? Yeah, he's shortened it on His purpose. His parents have stitched him up, and you think he shortened it? <laughs> yeah, and I would have too. But Tris is from Perth, WA. Has run sixteen twenty nine, thirty seven forty four, one twenty twenty two, and two fifty eight fifty six at Perth Marathon. So Tris is a bit of a demon over the shorter distances compared to the longer distances, I reckon. Um, Brady reckons he needs more selfies on his Strava and maybe once found $100 on a run. I'm just looking at that photo now, Brady. $100 note one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Imagine buying a hundred bucks. So that's a good day. That's a good day. Would you? Yeah, I haven't seen a hundred dollar note for a while. No. <laughs> what? You'd hand it in, I reckon. You're that kind of guy. Good hand Samaritan. it into the police. Oh yeah. What do you think they're going to do with it? Yeah, you get it back if no one claims it, like in two weeks. Two weeks. I think it's two That's weeks. It. I was talking about it on Hamish and Andy podcast the other week. Oh. Because one of them found like ten bucks, and their dad made them hand it in to like teach them a life lesson. Uh. Just pretty good, pretty good parenting there. I thought. Yeah, needs a few more uh, selfies. Too many nature photos on there. People love taking photos of nature when they're on out running. Put them on Strava, don't they? Most common yeah. upload, I'd find. Uh, I'm going to thank Darren Carmody, one of the big dogs of a Chukamo. I'm a Daz is. Just lives around the corner from me, actually. I think he's a bit of a like property tycoon. He's just caught up in a whole lot of uh, different real estate ventures up here, I think. Real well built, a bit shorter than me, but he's just like muscly as. Hits the gym quite a bit. Kind of guy could do like thousands of push-ups, I think. 2108 for 5K. That was in 2017, a Chuka Park run. 398 at Shep Marathon back in 2007. And he's a bit of a triathlete as well. So he did 9.25 at the Melbourne Ironman in 2012. Real good fella. Always got time for your kind of guy. Um, and once, when Trevor Vincent was here, it must be back in episode like number 20, I think it was, when we did a live show with Trevor Vincent at my house. After that live show that he came and watched, he helped me uh, rip the bar out of my shed. So that was nice of him. He kind of got his muscles out and just, uh, yeah, got, a, got on the jackhammer. Took it out for me. So thanks, Daz. Thanks, everyone, for the Patreon support over there at patreon.com forward slash inside rain podcast. Running news, fellas. Bit happened between now and last week. We'll start with Boston because that was Monday race their time, which was Tuesday our time, and we missed the results. Moose, you got up and watched it or watched it next morning? Next morning for me. Uh, it was good because I tried to – I think I did avoid social media. It's just hard when you have the FlowTrack app and you try to get on – but there's all other interview videos around it in the like the library that you have to collect click click in, and so <laughs> you kind of have to have this real focused vision and nothing peripheral, or else you'll see winners interview with Benson Kipruto, and you're like, oh shit, I just found out who won. Uh, anyway, I watched it. Breed to set it up for you. Just say, can you? Yeah, get I did set that. I actually did. I pointed at her and go pick and. She couldn't work it out, so, you know, I ended up doing Just it. Wait, that'd be Pia's first job when she goes up Krogs. Get the yeah. games ready. <laughs> but Benson Kipruto won the men's. It wasn't a fast day at Boston, which it never really is, except in those tailwind years. So Benson ran 209.51, followed by Berhanu, or Lemmy Berhanu, 210.37, and then Jamal Yamur. Uh, 210.38. Now, the women's race hey, was Back fun. to the men's. That wasn't the story of the race. I didn't like some American guy. I've only seen CJ, yeah, CJ, yeah, so CJ Yeah, so CJ he he's a good runner, right? I reckon he's like a 211 dude. And he's run a, I think he's run like a 50K world record or something like that. Didn't he do something crazy on a treadmill? Maybe it was the treadmill world record or something. That's right. But he took off. And so he ran in front of the pack. And the pack obviously um, didn't have a lot of respect for CJ or didn't think that he'd be able to take it the whole way, which I thought was brave considering what Yuki Kawachi did the other, like the other year where he, he went off the front. Granted, he was caught 
and passed and then he went off front again and was caught and then dropped and then won it but it just i think yuki sort of changed how some people have looked at boston and going downhill cj uh he considers himself a very good downhill runner and so he thought he would take advantage of that early in the race and and he at one point at halfway he was two minutes in front of the pack now that's pretty incredible considering that's a major marathon and you're a 211 bloke and there's probably 204 guys in the field that's that's pretty crazy and then all of a sudden it's like whoa two minutes over a half are they going to catch him which we all knew they would but he, you could see he was starting to think you know you saw in his eyes a few times like whoa just imagine if i held him off um, but they caught him maybe around what was it like 30k around about that 28 30 and um he held on well he ran 211 something in the end and came like second american i thought that was brilliant how he pulled that off yeah, and all credit 44 yeah that's how good is that? 11, 18, and he's that's kind of so done that for solo time trial on a hillier course yeah. on the in the front of boston like sponsored by brooks imagine brooks they would have been so happy because the the coverage they're like shit we have to focus on this guy <laughs> even yeah. though we know he's not going to win but we need a camera up there um and and it makes it difficult for those guys but brooks got like full coverage so lucky them and he pulled it off he'll be known he'll get invited to races i reckon now people will know who he is yeah well that's every i didn't watch the race but i just saw it everywhere the next day when i checked social media and everyone had a lot of respect for it like it could go two ways that like if he stuffed it up and got past at 15k but because he got past and then hung on to the lead pack as well for so long um people yeah it. that's it that's right and he like it wasn't a t it's not a course where you can qualify for stuff because it's downhill net downhill you can't run records there um no one really like it's he he just get he just took a punt really and he put it out there he goes let's just see what happens and he actually pulled it off like that is a that's an example of pulling it off that guy was never going to really win the race not not uh even conditions like it was reasonably good compared to like Yuki's win which was in just the worst freezing cold windy wet conditions possible um you you weren't going to get that on monday last week yeah it looks like such a fun race it's just the crowds and the hills and it's just yeah, oh, those hills variety of it those hills look hard late like really hard just the angle from the camera in front of the packs it just looks steep and it looks it looks difficult you you got to pace that one properly don't you and the history of it as well i think is a is a big standout like it's one I'd, I'd I'd love to do Boston like for that for that reason like yeah maybe it's not about running super fast times but the history of it and especially like when you consider you know Deke won it and um, yeah so mm. put it on the bucket list. It, it's a really odd race too in that it starts so far out of the city and runs through almost regional areas to get into the city. So you're mm. running through like you see him running through kind of almost rural areas like farms and stuff and it's um it's not like big highways they're like small roads so the crowd's kind of in on you yeah yeah it's it well later on the crowds come in but at the time it, there are some lonely spots aren't they 
he didn't up. I'm just on CJ's uh, Strava now. He didn't upload it. Why wouldn't you? Why would you be on Strava and not have your watch going? Anyway, tell me about the women's race. Yep, won by Diana Kip Yoke in two twenty four forty five. Uh, even though she was second and not first, Edna Kiplagat was maybe the highlight of the day, running two twenty five oh nine and coming through re- strong really late. At one point, I thought she might catch her, <clears throat> and Mary Nagugi, which is two twenty five twenty, she was third place. So. I can't. I think Diana took off and then got caught by one of the ladies, uh, but then dropped that that second lady dropped, and and then Edna came through. This was a week ago now, and it, like I'm struggling to remember the exact play by plays of this one. Sorry, Brady. That's okay. I think <laughs> I have to apologise to CJ as well because I was looking at the wrong week on his Strava. He did upload it. You know how this race was on a Monday. So CJ, if you're listening, mate, really sorry that I got that wrong. Uh, Other running news of the week was big, Perth. Let's go over there. We're tracking this yesterday, Moose. Are you tracking it as well, Croaks? Doing a bit of scrolling, doing some tracking? Uh, No, I got the updates from you, and then I jumped jumped on the results uh, once I I was hearing the um, stats from you. Yeah, two big runs. Jessica Stenson will kick hers off first. Uh, the first marathon in three years, I think I read, for Jess Stenson. Mm. 2.25.13, a PB, a 46-second PB, a qualifier for the 2022 World Championships. She moves from seven all-time Australian marathoner to number four, uh, fastest Australian woman on Australian soil ever. Fifth fastest 2021 Commonwealth time for the year. And in the last 15 years, only Sinead Diver has run quicker than her. We said at the end of last week's show that maybe she'll just aim for that 2.29.30 qualifying time and maybe not go for a PB. But she absolutely smashed it. It's not the course to do it on. A lot of bike paths by the footage. No one ever talks about the Perth Marathon being fast. But Jessica Stenson's come out and uh, made a statement. Yeah, like that'll that'll give her so much confidence for her next like big city marathon because you'd imagine the at- there would have been very little atmosphere on that course, which as you know, like having a bit of atmosphere on a marathon makes a difference, um, and it's just great to see her back at her best because it hasn't been smooth sailing the last three years. Like yeah, she um, went off and and had had a child, but then you know she was meant to run that marathon in Penrith earlier in the year but um had an injury and then I even believe she was doing some cross training not that long ago so to see her back um running that sort of time on that course is uh, is super impressive but you got to remember like she's class when she finished ninth world champs or something one year yeah two commerce yeah. games medals yeah. yeah finished well at London one year one Melbourne one Gold Coast that day with Ucroaks like she gets she knows how to run marathons she gets them right most of the time yeah so, yeah, like, she's good, she's and the yeah, beast of a racer at the to be able to do this on that, like, obviously it's not a slow course, but it's certainly not. Like we were watching Amsterdam, Paris, we watched Chicago, Berlin recently, and you just look at the packs around, and you look at the the crowds lining the site, and you think, oh, this place, like these are fast places to run, and then I think a lot of this marathon was on bike paths, wasn't it? In yeah. 
earthen. So, like, you know, if you're doing a session on a, a on a narrower bike path, I don't know what it is, but it's just a really difficult place to run fast. So, yeah, like, so impressive. I, I thought, like, I thought she would go in, run the qualifier to tick it off because she didn't want to be in that position, like, where she didn't have the, the spot, like, in the last Olympic Games, um, and then races got cancelled. But she, when she went through 72, I was just like, oh, boy, she's going for it. And she pulled it off. She only ran the second half like eight or ten seconds slower as well. It's pretty even. Yeah, yeah. Clark I, paced her to like 30K, I think, and then she would have been solo. Was it 30? It was something Yeah, I think it was 30K. So. Yeah, and I that's, read that, yeah. That's one thing that's always great about her as a marathoner is like she knows how to pace these things so well. Like I can't remember... I can't remember the last time she like had a poor marathon result. Um, so she, she, she hasn't. You know, she, she, she rarely has them. I remember interviewing no, her yeah. and writing down all her marathons when I was doing research, and I'm just like, whoa, like yeah. all these are pretty good. And it's such a good skill to have to be able to like know exactly how you should feel at every sort of point in the race, and to be able to like to be able to pace it where she's only run ten seconds slower in the second half is 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 perfect. Because remember, yeah. before she had Billy, she went that. Com Games bronze, the Com Games women's um, all-time record with you, the Australian. Remember that one you paced at the Gold Coast? Yeah. And then she went to Toronto like another like ten or twelve weeks after and ran two twenty-five high. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that was amazing. Which one does she do, fellas? World champs or Com Games? Ah, uh, world champs for my mind, like she already got uh, two Com Games medals. Yeah, she's got she's got them and. I feel like world champs is is a bigger stage. Oh well, it definitely is a bigger stage. It's it's an A class class race. It's it's behind the Olympics just in terms of prestige and um, you and hate the Com, Com games, games, don't you? You always look it <laughs> off the Com games. I don't hate the Com games, but I just think it's more of a championships, like kind of to develop athletes rather than it's it's. It's a C it's a C grade race on the world stage, isn't it? Like you can't deny that. There was like seventeen people in the in the races and the the, the African fields were, that were there were, were pretty average. Um, and it's not open to many countries whatsoever. So I don't see how you can class it in the same league as the world championships. You cannot do that. No, you cannot. No, no. Only big and another reason, as well, and another reason why the worlds would be good for her is she's she's shown previously how high she can finish at worlds. Like to finish ninth is is a great result, and so if she can go back and improve that by a couple of spots, um, you know, to finish top eight or whatever at the world champs is pretty pretty amazing feat. But but, I sh- the Com Games has the the Australian public that roots for it. Yeah, and like they appeal if you like to do this for your job. It, that's right. You you become a, a name in the household. Although I don't reckon I don't reckon could, so much anymore, Moose. Yeah, I was about to say you could argue Michael Shelley's not a name in the household, and he has three Com Games medals, two gold. Exactly, but no one like he. Maybe he didn't take advantage of it like he could have, but um, yeah, you'd, you, he's probably not. He's probably not like the name like that when we used to watch the Com Games when. Back in the day, you might have sort of, like, let's say, um, Deke in Brisbane. Yeah. Do you think you have to win a Com Games? Because, like, Luke Matthews is another example. Got a bronze. Is he a household name? 
No, he's not a household name, but he was big for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just think like a, a, a marathoner knows, like Jess would know and go, okay, like I can, I might have, she, she probably has incentives tied to the championships as well, maybe within a contract where like, for instance, ASICs say, oh, you win a mar- medal at the Com Games, you get this. Whereas you win a medal at the World Champs, and you might even you might get the same incentive. Now this is just pure speculation, but that's how it could go. And it's like, oh well, I'm not going to win a medal at the World Champs. Like those girls are running 214, 216 now. Um, but at the Com Games, Kenya sends three athletes who run 223. Well, I'm a chance to win a medal. Like I've shown I can win medals there. Uh, so we see her there again um, because that's like th- that's a career move. Time will tell in the men's race. Nick Harmon got the win there. Oh, actually, second and third in the women's. Astrid Roberts, she ran 250.07, and Debbie Donald ran 252.54. And then in the men's, Nick Harmon ran 214.54, also a course record. Um, Dean Menzies was second, 218.42, and Jared Hill was third, 228.33. So just off his PB, Nick, he did run 214.04 over in Japan a couple of years ago. He's only 25. He's only a young fella. Moves well. Big negative split. I think he was through halfway in, was it 68? 68 low. So um, he's found a minute and a bit in that second half there. Oh, that's good too, and, isn't it? And solo, gun to tape. Go out, run a marathon time trial and run 214.54 with a big yep. negative split. Looked great. I saw some video footage with him like 100 metres to go. Looks super smooth, in control. Yeah. This course, this course, I don't know. Maybe we should be heading to Perth. In uh, October instead of Melbourne next year. Yeah, maybe. These guys have made it look pretty good, haven't they? Well, those two, Dean Menzies ran 218. Um, Then it's sort of like there were three people that ran fast there. Yeah. Like it it sort of, there wasn't a lot of depth after that. Um, And Nick. That's because no one can go to Western Australia. (laughs) Yeah, unless you're in that state, you can't get in. Well, Jess is, went there. Uh, yeah. Oh, from South Australia. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Queensland, you could go, couldn't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, there's like a different yeah, different country, those couple there's of states. Two moment, states. Aren't they? There's two states. Well, Moose, well, Moose, do you think it shows that maybe we sometimes get a bit hung up on having to, like wanting to try and get everything perfect in terms of go to a place where there's like a super flat course, amazing crowds, amazing weather but these guys have shown that if you're fit and you know you're not running up hills which you know then you can run fast times yeah yeah definitely i was thinking that before and i mean especially jess right she's run what fourth fastest time ever by an australian Mm. that's that's different like yeah nick was good jess was like exceptional and to run that there shows that you can do it in australia that that was amazing and um obviously her fitness is supreme right now because like i can't help but think oh in berlin that's more minutes right there like that's minutes yeah um i just can't help but thinking that because i've run berlin and i remember thinking at 30k i'm like this is the easiest fucking marathon there is like when do i hit a hill or when do the crowds stop when do i become by myself like there's no lonely time there's no quiet time. There's aid stations everywhere. The wo- the roads are like like 20 meters wide. It's 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 just so easy. And then I hear that Jess run this on a bike path, like with 
it sounds like Matt Clark and no one else after that. Oh boy, that's fu- like that's inc- that's impressive stuff. I think it's also credit to how dedicated she is to being fit, even when she can't run, because she's had some setbacks in the last few years. But I reckon like she's a real hard cross trainer and make sure that she does everything possible to be as fit as possible, even if she can't run. So, yeah, good, yep. good work ethic for sure. Really cool to see the story as well after, like, the, the ba- like having, having her baby and then getting her injury just before the last marathon where she was trying to qualify. Like, it's a big – it should – it provides a bit of inspiration for someone who's been out of the sport for a while that they can come back better than ever. Especially yeah. for mums, like like even just seeing like Bree go through a pregnancy and knowing how early she has to stop running at a like at a level high for her and trying to like think of running as for a performance perspective, um, and then like she's not allowed to run for six weeks after she has a baby, and then all of this, how slow is it back? Like you're you're talking over a year away from proper running, mm-hmm. and then just. And this is a lot longer than that for, for Jess. Like it's, it, it should give hope to a lot of ladies, I reckon, that they can come back even stronger. Yeah, and we are talking yesterday, Moose, about trying to make every effort to try and get her on next week's episode. So hopefully we can uh, pull that off. Uh, talking, that segues well into the announcement from Athletics Australia about the selection criteria for the 2022 Commonwealth Games and the World Championships. Uh, world champs, tell me if I've got any of this wrong, fellas, but I think I've tried to summarise it pretty well. We'll go world champs first. Uh, 2.11.30 for the men, 2.29.30 for the women. uh, 30th of November 2020 to 29th of May 2022 is the time. Um, That's pretty much straightforward, that one, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty much off like the Olympics in terms of the the quota and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so the rankings yet. will still be there. But I don't think the rankings will come into it, will they? Because there's so many people exactly get the time anyway. So you've got to get the time to pretty much go. Well, it was last time because there were a lot of marathons around. But maybe the amount of qualifiers won't be there this time okay. because because the like the quantity of races aren't there. Yes. Yeah, this is where I think for the uh, like the Aussie males are potentially going to be in a bit of trouble here because like no one's run quicker than 2.11.30 in that qualifying period so far have they from the 30th of november 2020 yeah which no. makes the com games bit interesting because they didn't set a time and said they're going to use selectors discretion to pick the team however if you finish top five in the commonwealth countries in the olympic marathon you would have the option to be like automatic selected so I looked at that, and Sinead and Aliyam were both top five um, when you just look at Commonwealth athletes in the Olympic marathon. So they've got mm. the option to punch their ticket straight away um, to be on the Commonwealth Games team. Sinead does have the time for world champs, whereas Liam, yep. Liam doesn't. So Liam um, would have to go chase the time somewhere if he wanted to go to world champs, but could go to Commonwealth Games, no worries at all. And then now Jess has the time for... Um, world champs and you'd think you know commonwealth game selectors would pick her no worries especially with her track record at commonwealth games and then it gets gets interesting with the rest of them doesn't it yeah but are you sure there's no times um someone sent me actually Sinead sent me times today 
Did she? Well, I'll look through the whole document. This is what it said. It said, outside the automatic nomination, the able-bodied marathon nominations will be considered as discretionary nominations. The aims of the nomination policy must be considered by the nomination committee and the marathon athletes considered alongside all other events for discretionary nomination. Consideration must be given to the limited number of marathons available to be con- contested and athletes' previous and current level of performance at events of 10,000 metres and above may also be relevant and considered. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, what did you know? Where did she get that time from? She's in Australia? I didn't write back to her. But this, this suggests that they might select athletes off uh, 10K races. Yeah, 10K um, and above, it says. Yeah, so say a 10K and a half. So let's throw out someone like... Andy Buchanan, who's or no, no, let's go Joel Tobin White, who's run sixty-two minutes or something. Like, it's the marathon is a different event to the half marathon. We we've seen that time and time again that it's very hard to convert from a half marathon to a full marathon, and it doesn't happen like that. Uh, it doesn't happen as like linear as a ten k to a half marathon. We see that it's a lot closer in terms of physiology, I think, than training or then being able to convert from a fast half to a fast full. So it, it's a dangerous area selecting athletes for a marathon off, off their half marathon and, and 10K times, I think. Um, it makes, obviously, I've, I'm biased to the marathon. So I've barely broken 30 minutes, but I've run 2.14. So they, there's no possible way I would ever get selected for anything um, based off my 10 and half marathon times but i can execute a marathon pretty well uh relative to my sort of fitness and talent um so i like this this troubles me so yeah so let's put a hypothetical out there that you go overseas in feb march april and you run 214 again and your name's on the selectors table next to a joel tobin white andy buchanan 62 minute guys and they're looking at your 66 65 maybe a run in between and you're thinking they're not picking you because you're not quick enough yeah well that's that's it because in my mind like the marathon is the marathon the half yeah. marathon is the half marathon I you agree. might as well be they're different pole sports, vaulting. i think sometimes yeah yeah you, you yeah if, the other hypothetical the other hypothetical here though given that the world champs qualifier is 211.30 and we don't have any males at the moment qualified for that so unless Brett, Jack, Liam go and run sub to eleven thirty, they're not going to be at World Champs for the marathon. So you'd imagine that they would put their hat in the ring to run Com Games marathon, and I'm pretty sure that they would pick a Brett, Jack, and Liam who posted those times over somebody who's run a sixty-two half. Yeah, and, you would hope those, so. And those guys as well to have quicker halves and quicker tents than the other guys yeah. we're talking about. So they're got yeah. it's kind of like an alley. She's got the track record for the marathon and she's bloody quick over ten and a half. So where where it'll become interesting is if guys like Brett Jack and Liam run sub two eleven thirty and then wanna run the marathon at World Champs, that then opens up that hypothetical where potentially they would have to they might pick people on half marathon times. But I still think that if somebody's posted a two thirteen um, two fourteen, like potentially they'll still get picked over the sixty-two half. I, you know, maybe. Um, Depends who's on the panel. Well, so I wouldn't be surprised if Reese Edwards comes out and runs a pretty quick marathon in the next few weeks. 
Yeah, um, that's a good prediction from you. But what about yeah. flip that hypothetical the other way around, that Brett, Jack, and Liam want to do com games and they get the discretionary picks, which they would, and then we have no one run to 11.30 to go for the world champs. No team well, from Australia. Well, that's, a, that, that's a high possibility, given, yeah, that, definitely. given that, you know, it's hard to find... It's hard to find races for them to go and do at the moment. That and that same aren't with too... the women, if you think yeah. about it. So well, Ali could would... end up Sinead and then Jess want to go Con Games, and then you go, well, who's run under two twenty nine thirty? Like yeah, you expect Lisa to do it, and Eloise has just missed it. But maybe she gets another. Like we could have one person on that team as well. Millie Clark maybe could come out. So, so we say you... there's six singles up for grabs, but there's maybe not. Where do you think though? People that want to run the World Champs Marathon, where are they going to go to qualify? Well, that's what concerns me with guys like um, Andy and Tom DeCano and that. Like, Melbourne's, it's still risky. Like, I'd like to see them in a Valencia or in a, you know, somewhere overseas. And maybe they can still do that in Feb, March. But, like, somewhere you can sit in a big pack where it's going to be perfect weather and just, just get sucked along to try and run as quick as possible. Yeah. There'll be marathons early next year that, well, there should there should be, shouldn't there? I mean, you've got to start looking now. I think there's one in, is it Barcelona? Yeah, um, and um, there's a Seville. Seville, Seville sorry, Seville. Doing that. Yeah. yeah, Seville. Um, and then, like, and the Japanese. to the 29th of May. The it's, ladies, it's, it's time. Yeah. You have Osaka, Nagoya, all very fast races. Yeah. Anyway. So um, that's, um, interesting times ahead. Yeah. I feel like we just tattle these hypothetical conversations <laughs> when we're talking about Olympic selection not so long ago. Mm. Um, and then some very sad news that come out of Kenya. This was uh, horrible to wake up to this news. I think this was maybe Tuesday morning. Agnes Tarop, um, we just spoke about her in episode number 202 a few weeks ago because she broke the road 10K uh, record. Remember that Adidas thing, fellas? We are talking about that, how they put the races on around the Adidas kind of yeah place there over there yep. in Germany. She ran a really good 10K. She ran 30-25 on the track. She was in the same race as Ali and Sinead to win World um, world Championships bronze medal. She was, yeah, one of the sports bright. I'm reading this now. One of the sports brightest stars, and her life was tragically taken away way too young after what she was allegedly murdered by her husband. Um, yeah, some amazing PBs. At 19, she won the World Cross Country Championships. She was fourth at the Tokyo Olympics in the 10K as well. That was the one that uh, Hassan won. Um, so she's been in all these big races we've spoken about, 8.22 for 3K, 14.20 for 5K, which is the number 10 all-time, and 30.25 for 10K on the track. So, yeah, t- terrible, terrible news that the world woke up to and mourns the death of the former World Cross Country champion. Any comments there, fellas? Makes you sick, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not... <laughs> it, yeah. It just... It's not... Ex- like, what are you going to say? It's not acceptable behaviour. Like, <laughs> he killed his wife. He, he's a criminal. Mm. Um, and I just... I, I've just... I read a little bit about how it's a little bit more um, commonplace, like that sort of um, power like that male dominant sort of household over there is a little bit more common than you kind of want to think it is. Yeah, Brad and I were kind of talking about it before you came like off air, but we hadn't been recording at this stage. But even just the statistics in Australia, like I was looking it up, on average one woman is murdered every week 
in Australia by a former partner. Mm. And like, I'm like, what? These statistics don't, like, it doesn't feel like the world that I live in because you're, you know, people you socialise with and places you work and things you do and people, you know, in your message groups and all those people you kind of communicate with. You're just like, this isn't, this feels so out of place for the world that we live in. Like one in three Australian women, 30, 30.5% has experienced physical violence since the age of 15. Yeah, that's Almost 10 women a day are hospitalised. But, but even then, Brady, you're saying that like the people that you associate with, like often people can be a particular way outside the family home yeah, in the sure, workplace yep. and be like the ni- nicest guy ever and then they get home and an absolute prick. You're like, bringing up some great points, yeah. Yeah. So uh, some sad news there. Um, hopefully she rests in peace. And the other bit of news out of Kenya, Ali Kipchoge, he's uh, the Kenyan Olympic marathon champion, obviously. He's going to race the public in Paris 2024 Olympic-like promo event. So he's going to take on members of the public in a running challenge to mark a 1,000 days until the start of the Paris 2024 Olympic Games. So they're pretty much going to have this like handicap race where he's going to race 5K against 2,000 people in Paris at the French capital in on sorry 31st of October. And then the people that beat him, they get to be automatic entries into the Paris 2024 Mass Participation Olympic Marathon. First time it's ever happened. So there's going to be the Olympic, the elites are racing, the Olympics is on, and then there's going to be a mass participation race afterwards, which I like. It's an amazing, amazing initiative, and it's so it's so good for the sport. Like, what other Olympic sport can you do that? Yeah. Well, some yeah. people, I don't know if they will like it, Croaks. I reckon some people are like, no, that's the Olympics, that's the elites of the best of the best kind of thing. You shouldn't be able to do it if you're general punters. But I'll they're not, they're not. But they're not racing them. It's going to be a completely different start time, I'd imagine. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, Is it just a separate I, wave? Well, yeah, well, yeah, but it's going to be staggered. It's going to be, on the, they're not going to be gonna, on the same day. Yeah, it's going to be on the same day, but they're not going to, the gun's not going to go, and you're, not, and you're going to have the 80 Olympians and then everybody oh, yeah, else not, charging behind. There's no way. Like you're Berlin <laughs> when you're just out there with your phone. Yeah, they're not going to have that. Yeah, so I know, but they might start five minutes later. You're still a part of half, the event. Yeah. I, I oh, think it's maybe great. not five minutes because then there could be chaos. It could be people yeah, running could, I reckon it'll be. I reckon there'll be a, a decent gap. Thoughts on it, Moose? Um, I just, I'm just trying to read it now. To be honest, I'm pretty cooked, uh, and there's too much text for me to get through that. There's a bit of text. I was struggling to, to, to say yeah. right there too. <laughs> uh, I just thought, like, it, do you reckon how much we get we get paid for this, yeah. and who's paying him? Paris um, Olympic Committee, wouldn't they? Pro money. Do you think money is an issue for Kipchoge? No, no, that's what I mean. Like, it would take a lot to get him out. Yeah, yeah. IOC, I, they got deep pockets, don't they? Yeah, he's big, big cash man. He's doing well. Uh, can we skip listening to question, Croaks? And I put that on next week because it's been yeah. a long show. Let's do it. Moose on the loose, purchase of the week. Uh, nah, nothing. I I got to go to bed. Yeah, good. We're all in the same boat here. What's coming up, fellas? Then what do you got coming up, Bradley? Uh, pretty quiet. I'll see how these. Um, I'll see how I pull up from Pfizer. The Pfizer jab. Um, oh, yeah, but, you had that today. Yeah, if, if I pull up okay tomorrow, I'll do some sort of session. If I feel crap, I'll push it back to maybe go Wednesday, Saturday sessions. Moose, what do you got coming up? Um, 55K a week for me. Back to work again this week, another day. I'll pick out out. Maybe Wednesday I'll go up. Good. What else is going on? Yeah. What about you, Brady? Uh, a lot of people have been hitting me up. Croaks, remember last, uh, last year when I 
pick the Melbourne Cup winner, which was paying like $60 to one. Huh. Yep. So a lot of people have been asking for my tip for this year's Melbourne Cup, which isn't this weekend. I think maybe next week's show will be the one before that. So I'll be studying the form guide, getting it ready to uh, throw it out next week. A few punter listeners out there. Other than that, no, not much. You know, oh, I'm going to do a uh, big one, 95% at uh, marathon pace. Yeah, 95% of marathon pace on Saturday, I think. Oh, then we've got what, our um, run. What pace point. is that? What pace is that for you? Uh, 326s, 327s, around about there. For how, for how long? Working on uh, 28K. Pulled out Moose's old yeah. lockdown program. So that will give me a good indication about where I'm heading. Um, and then we've got a couple of drinks for the uh, the running crew up here. Paddy Stowe's last weekend in town, I think. So catching up with him and a few of the boys. Might get over to the track in Shepparton on Saturday. No, on Wednesday, my day off work. So, yeah. Do you, you, I've changed how I thought about training though since then. <laughs> no, but I know how fit I was at that time. I'm picking and choosing, not all of them. You'll see a few familiar ones in there. Are you um? Are you ever tempted to go back to your old stomping ground of the industrial estate? Just to, I haven't been out for years, just, have I? I know, just, no, you haven't. But no. just for old times' sake, and just to compare a session, or just you know, to get some confidence I mean, yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, I reckon the coros would um would handle it better out there. But no, nah, yeah. no, nah, I'm not. I don't think so. I've learned my lessons. I've gone into way too many marathons. Way yeah, too confident. Year after year, you'd see Brady sessions. You're like, man, this guy's going to run like two fourteen. <laughs> yeah, you, you did know. I do like straight roads now. Ever since then, I've learnt my lesson. Um, <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. We're going to throw to Eloise Wellings and James from Athletics New South Wales now. So enjoy that. See you next week, fellas. See you guys. Have yeah. a good week. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Eloise Willings once again, uh, a week and a half after her debut marathon in London. Um, she is now the fastest Australian woman ever on debut in a marathon, 229.42, a massive sub-230 on debut, just a phenomenal performance. Um, Eloise, thank you so much for joining us from Hotel Quarantine. <laughs> Thanks for having me, James. <laughs> it did have something to do. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen no, some. I joke. Of the- I joke. I've, I've, I've actually been keeping quite busy. I've just been keeping it light on Instagram, just because I don't know. That's who I am. But yeah. I, I was going to say, if your Instagram story is there any um, indication of how much pr- productivity is happening in the last few days? <laughs> um, <laughs> there's there's yeah. some spinning around in a chair, yeah. um, some treadmill running. Actually- that was really unproductive. I tell you why, because it made me so ill. I was so green for about 20 minutes. I had to lie down. I had to lie down. And my husband called me and I was like on the phone to him. He's like, are you all right? I'm like, I just feel really nauseous. And he's like, oh, no, like, what's that about? And I'm like, actually, I was just spinning around in the chair. I was just being an idiot. So anyway, 
won't won't be doing that again unless um, someone asks me to. And <laughs> please, no one ask Eloise in the next nine days to spin around. Yeah, chair. <laughs> well, someone challenged me to do 10, 10 spins around, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could do that, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if my stomach's ready for it today, but maybe tomorrow. We'll see. More more nauseous after chair spins or at the end of the marathon? Ooh, uh, <laughs> um. Oh. I was only nauseous in the marathon for about two minutes. Mm. So it like at the end, I was just completely like achy and, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't green anymore. It was pleasant. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, how, how's the husband and the, and the kids? Yeah, they're good. They're good. They're um, they're coping like well and truly without me. Um, they're absolutely fine, actually, um, which is awesome. Johnny's doing such a great job, and as I knew he would, and yeah, like um, he's been working, so his parents have been helping out, and my friend Rosie as well. Our friend Rosie's just been a hero. Um, yeah, so it's it's yeah, it's taken a village for especially for this trip. It always does um, when yeah when you're trying to work I guess and when anyone's trying to work um but yeah it's um it has definitely been a a sacrifice um from our entire family and also um you know obviously with the extra two weeks of hotel quarantine there's that sacrifice as well and financially and um so I was actually just more relieved than anything that, that the marathon went really well and that I was able to put in a really good performance that I was happy with and that I walked away thinking you know I want to I want to keep doing this um you know I I wanted to I definitely wanted to have that feeling of I want to do this again rather than I don't know if I want to do this again and um yeah it was like as soon as I crossed the line I started thinking about when when I'm going to do it again fabulous yeah. The um, all, all all the things that happen when your first marathon goes well. Um, I can't can't talk for people who uh, have, have a shock the first time round, but um, well, actually, I can because I had a shock the first time round. <laughs> I said I'd never do one again. <laughs> Probably like half the population who does a marathon. Um, but that it's, you, you certainly absolutely smash it. It's phenomenal. As I mentioned, you are now the fastest woman, Australian woman ever on debut, which is just an incredible effort. You think about the um, the amazing marathons we've had come through. Um, one of them was in the same race as you, Sinead Diver, um, Benita Willis, Lisa Ondiecki, um, and, and so many others. It, it, it's a it's an incredible achievement. Um, we'll, we'll get to some of the numbers in a second. I, I, I just want to take you back to race morning first. And um yeah basically basically you know for uh, what what time did you wake up um you know for, for us mere mortals getting to london and starting in wave you know 26 or something would have been amazing you started right at the front of the london marathon just just talk us through the wake up um the breakfast was it was it with Sinead? did you travel together and and what was the vibe at the, the start line like it must have been just just incredible yeah, it was. It was actually, I woke up at, um, my alarm went off about 4am. Um, we were leaving the uh, hotel at 6 and yeah, I was heading to breakfast with Sinead at um, around 5 and um, yeah, I just, it was so great to have her there actually because I just got to ghost her and ask her all the stupid questions that you don't want to ask the race organisers. And, um, but yeah, it was amazing um, to have her and Charlotte to hang out with. And 
um, as I said to you before, like um, that was really special going through with them. And yeah, I, we got up at, yeah, I, we went down to breakfast at five. Um, what did I have for breakfast? I had a bowl of rice bubbles and um, three pieces of toast with jam and a coffee. And then later on, I had a couple of revies and a Morton gel. So I was, um, I was well carb loaded, um, you know, on the morning of and, and for two days before. I worked with Jess Roth, Rothwell, um, obviously worked with the Olympic team, um, marathon team for Tokyo and, yeah, worked with her in the build up and practiced, practiced all of that stuff. So that all worked, um, that all worked really well. There, w- there wouldn't be too much I would train, change about my nutrition um, probably as I mentioned I felt a bit sick in that in that at the 35k mark and I think I just I drank too quickly um and I was only ever planning on just swishing that one around that drink around in my mouth but because I'd missed out I missed a drink station before that and I kind of panicked a little bit I thought that I really needed it whereas I probably didn't in hindsight I probably I didn't feel like I was um hitting the wall in terms of like glucose and energy but um definitely yeah that having that at 35k that just feeling a bit nauseous and having to slow down so that I could swallow it back and not vomit um yeah probably cost me I don't know how much it cost me but it definitely cost me some rhythm and some seconds but it's hard to know how long I was running like that for I feel like it was at least 150 200 meters um that I slowed down for but managed to get going again but yeah like going back um taking a step back from there um yeah caught the bus it was about 45 minute drive um from actually it was about yeah about an hour from our hotel in Windsor to the start line so there's a lot of time to think um but by that stage I was actually quite at peace I was probably more excited than nervous um and then yeah I got to the starting line and there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of time to be honest until we started warming up and that was that was nice just to get running again and just to know that you can um, you know, your mind plays tricks on you, obviously, before a race and just to start running and to like do a warm up and you go, oh, yeah, this is what it feels like. It's just one foot and the other. Um, and yeah, I saw Shalane warming up and I had a, a quick chat to her and that was really nice. And um, yeah, and then it was just, it was go time. I actually, I had the wrong socks or like, it was really weird. It was a really cold morning and my socks kept slipping down my shoe. Um, and I'd practiced in these socks at home and my, my feet were a normal size, but when my, because my, it was really cold, my feet like shrunk and, um, the socks kept slipping in my, in my shoe. And I was panicked about that. And so I asked Charlotte like two minutes before we went to the start line, I'm like, do you have any spare socks? And she's like, yes, I have a spare pair of socks. So Charlotte gave me her socks and um, I quickly put those on and um, got out there and yeah, just avoided disaster, avoided a sock disaster in my debut marathon, which was amazing. And um yeah, on the starting line, it was great. There was a massive crowd and um, they introduced Charlotte and I think, um, and, you know, a couple of the other sort of headline runners and, um, 
yeah, it wasn't long before before we got going and I just got straight into a rhythm behind our pacemakers and our pacemakers did such an amazing job. Um, and yeah, I felt I felt great to be honest. Um, felt really switched on and um, you know some there was a couple of warnings from um, you know experienced marathon runners that sometimes the first 10k can feel a bit sluggish. Um, and I probably went in and out of that for the first 10k, like thinking, am I feeling sluggish or like, but I, I wasn't, I was just feeling a bit nervous. I was almost overanalyzing how I was feeling. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I felt, I felt pretty good, um, until about, yeah, probably that 30, 35 k mark when I started to, um, started to really feel it and I knew that that was coming as well and so I was kind of ready for it absolutely well you you um we'll, we'll go through some of the splits now to to halfway at least to to the famous tower bridge sort of halfway split which is um by all accounts just an incredible uh uplift when you when you do get to that halfway mark and the, and the, the crowd's all on the bridge and you know it's this very very iconic sort of image at least it is on the bbc coverage um the the first uh, four 5k splits 1746 1741 1744 and 1723 and you went through halfway in 1 1436 so um you you you're two uh 229 12 pace so, so you're right on that that sub 230 pace through halfway was it was everything like yeah and, and 1746 your first 5k um quite you know quite different to most other lays in the field was actually your slowest out of the f- f- 5k split for the first half um so it did seem like you actually did t- take it quite conservatively um from the outset is it was that like you said was that the sluggishness or was that just like a okay i just want to make sure i want to get into the run get to halfway and really do feel like i'm, I'm cruising at halfway yeah i think i think it was it was probably i knew i was really aware that the first 5k was uh, is the fastest 5k of the course a little bit downhill um you can potentially bank a little bit of time there but sometimes um because you're getting that eccentric contraction in your quads you it still can come back to bite you at the end of the race and um i i wanted to try and avoid avoid that um and so i just i just stayed with the pace makers i i spoke to michelle our main pacemaker, Michelle Finn, she um, she knew she was aware as well that it was a faster 5K at the beginning, and she just said, "Oh, you know, we just try and hold back and make sure that we that we stay on pace." And um, yeah, she did a, a great job. I didn't even I didn't really check my watch to be honest. I just trusted that they were doing the right pace and tried to relax in. And um, I think the first time the first time we spoke, James, I told you that I was going to go with a 20, 227, 228 pace. Um, and that pacemaker ended up uh, being on the 227 or 226, actually. They changed that. And then they had a pace at um, pacemaker at 229. And so I kind of had to make a decision and we looked at the weather and um, we knew that it was going to be a headwind into the last six miles. And Nick was like, you know, let's let's go with 229 and then um, – you know, like we, we don't, we don't really know. So we just see if 229 is like your bit and see if you can yeah, hang in there at, at that and just know that it will get hard. And, um, 
and yeah so even even yeah I, that's kind of why we why we changed that up a little bit um we just had to wait until the weather um we we, we confirmed what the weather was going to look like and when we knew it was going to be a headwind in those last six miles we're like okay well we, we need to make amendments for that in terms of pace so that's why I decided to go with the 229.30 pace. Absolutely. And, and well, to be honest, it might, it might have saved your race because um, we, 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 we've seen Australians go over to London and um, go for it and, and, and botch it. Um, it, 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 it happens. And, and that's to no fault of the athletes. It's just buying off a little bit more they can choose. So I think it's a very wise decision and probably, again, shows your maturity at that you know, very top-end professional level to actually say, no, this is my debut. Two twenty nine is probably more more my style. Yeah, and I think I think just being a bit scared of you know of completely blowing up. And obviously, like I said, I wanted to finish feeling having a really good experience and feel and and feeling like I wanted to do another one rather than the opposite. And um, and now I know. And I mean, there's going to be times in the future that I'm going to want to do that. I'm just going to want to go for broke and see how long I can hang on because that's who I am and you only live once. But um, it was, this wasn't the time for that. Um, I needed to take confidence from this first one. I needed to take have a good experience. I wanted it to be worth the sacrifice that um, my family is making in me being away and also like the financial sacrifice that we've we've made to make it happen. So, um, yeah, like that's that was kind of the the um all the things behind the decision making so yeah I was really glad that that we made that decision and um yeah just hoping you know knowing now and confident that I can that I can build on that one and um you know over the next 12 months um definitely work on getting that time down and obviously getting the world championship qualifying time is a is a really big goal and um being in the top three so that I'll have a choice um, between world champs and, and Commonwealth Games next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll just roll through the last of those splits because it, it was it was incredibly consistent. Um, seventeen thirty six through, uh, sorry, seventeen forty seven through twenty five k. Seventeen thirty six through thirty. Seventeen forty four for thirty five k. So from zero to thirty five k, you've deviated about ten seconds a k either way, um, and then that thirty five to forty k is still eighteen twelve at three thirty nine pace. For anyone who's run a marathon, try and run thirty five to forty k at three thirty nine pace, and you'll see how well Eloise held on. Um, and to yeah, two twenty nine forty two at three thirty four average on your debut marathon per kilometer is just incredible. And and it, it's it was kind of agonizing because you know when we we're all following along, um, it was like oh. 12 seconds <laughs> outside the world championship qualifier. It's like you're on pace the whole time. Uh, you can't, you can't be, I'm sure you can't be too disappointed with that. Cause again, you, you, you set history as the, the fastest female ever, but um, that, that 12 seconds, sure it's coming in. Yeah. You know, is it, is it, is it Nagoya? Do, do you think Nagoya won those Japanese marathons? I think you said might be next. Yeah, I think we're, we're still looking at it, but definitely Nagoya will be on the cards. Like I've obviously paced there and, before so I know at least the first 25k of the course and I love going to Japan I love the Japanese people and the culture and it's obviously a really um it's a shorter flight it's on virtually the same time zone as Australia so it's just an easier trip um in all respects um 
and yeah, I mean, it was it was agonizing for me as well, seeing seeing the clock tick over two twenty nine thirty when I was coming um, down the mall uh, at the finish line. But uh, yeah, I think in hindsight, I just think I take. I, I wasn't that bitter about it because I, I just know that I know where I lost it and I, I absolutely lost it when I had to slow down because I thought I was going to throw up. And if I hadn't have had that drink and I hadn't have um, put that drink down so fast, then I would have been able to, I'm, I'm confident that I would have been able to stay in that rhythm. So it's, it's not, it's annoying that I have to go and do it again. And obviously like anything can happen and, you know, you got to take your opportunities, but also um, I'm just expecting good things to happen, you know. Awesome. That's fantastic. In, in, in terms of um, what the what your drinks work, because, of course, the elite athletes get their, their own personal drinks at some of the drink stations, what's, um, what's uh, some of the uh, super ingredients that are getting you through the later stages in the, the personal drinks? Yeah, I had Morton for – I had the Morton drink mix for most of the race, Um up until 20k I had a gel a Morton gel and then uh 30k I had a gel as well but I missed that one um and so yeah I just glided on past that one I don't know I still don't know where where it was I I couldn't tell you it existed to be honest um apparently it did um but yeah and then at 35k I had flat coke um which as I say, I wasn't, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't planning on drinking. It was just to swish around in my mouth, which um, triggers your brain into thinking that you are getting the energy when you're actually not, but it's, um, it's just something to, uh, something to give you a boost in that, at that, for that last few K, but yeah, I obviously, yeah, I just, I, I just panicked a little bit bit that I had that I missed that 30k one and then um yeah thought I oh, well, I better drink this and then it just it didn't go down great but yeah that's honestly the only thing that I would change about my nutrition along the way I had two revy strips um one at about 23k and then the other one at about 30 31 or 32k um and I just had those in my crop top and yeah I've I, I felt really really good otherwise and and I pulled up really well as well like I was obviously sore um and achy and really tired for a day or so but you know we we went for a jog two days uh we had two days off and then went for a jog on the third day and um I felt really good and so that's a really good sign to me that nutrition wise um I fueled properly and um and obviously recovered properly nutrition wise as well um, so that was really encouraging. And yeah, as I said, there, w- there wouldn't be a whole lot that I'd change over the next one. Just, um, yeah, just going with confidence that I know what it feels like now and, um, and hopefully I can go a little bit faster on the next one. Yeah, fabulous. Um, do you want to just talk us through, um, I guess, in terms of the atmosphere of the event? Because uh, I-, I know that in a normal year, London will get over a million people um, on the course. Um, I, I don't know if that was that many, uh, as, as many as that. Um, there certainly were a lot of people um, from what I could see on the coverage. Um, it, like, you know, theoretically the biggest crowd you've ever run out of because there's only so many that can fit in a stadium. Uh, what, did, you know, were, were people 
cheering you on? Did they, did they know who you were? Um, I think the um, British woman that was with you, um, Rose Harvey. Um, so she finished three seconds behind you. Um, yeah. What was, what was the crowd like and, and did they come into effect later on? Yeah, they did. I mean, it was incredible, like from start to finish and, and Charlotte had, had told me um, and Sinead had told me what, what, it, what it was like, what it was going to be like and, but nothing can really prepare you for for that amount of noise. And I mean, it's funny because I it was like another world from what I come from. Obviously, we've been in lockdown for almost four months in New South Wales. And so like I'd barely seen like my closest friends for the last few months. And um and it's just been my me and my little fam at home and could only run with one other person, like, and then going over to London and there just being thousands of people lining the streets. And um, so it was, it was, it was pretty overwhelming, but it also just gave me so much energy and it reminded me of, you know, of other times that I've run in, in big crowds and really thrived off that energy. And um, yeah, as you said, like passing um, Tower Bridge was probably the loudest part of the course. And I think that was my fastest K um, which is funny. And I started to drop our pacemaker and she was like, are you, are you good? Are you going? Like, well, I dropped back because the other, the other girl was, um, was dropping back and I'm like, no, like <laughs> no, you can, you can take it. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize that I was speeding up, but I think it was the crowd that was giving me a real boost at that point. And, um, and yeah, coming into the finish was just wild. Um, so so many people so many people calling out I heard probably three three women along the way call out I love your outfit like in this full-on English voice um which was cute and kind and yeah I don't know why I just remembered that um and yeah so it was yeah it was wonderful it was such a great experience for for that reason I think the crowd and the community atmosphere and and people just loving the fact that there's a mass running race back on right like it's it's um we're back and that was kind of the the, the vibe with London is that we're back and um and uh yeah people were really enjoying themselves and yeah it made for a really really fun experience Fabulous. That, yeah, there was a lot of partying um, uh, several hours after you crossed the line yeah. <laughs> with other people in, in, in the old uh, costumes and world record attempts and you know, big bends and whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. And, uh, yeah, for, again, for us mere mortals, um, just getting to the start line, hopefully one day um, in our lifetimes, you know, hopefully we can get there and experience the same thing as what you did. So yeah. that's great. Um, just for the record, it was uh, sort of a, a leopard print um Crop and, and, and pro shorts, wasn't it, that you were wearing? It's, I've seen some of the, the images you put on your Instagram. Um, it, it was a cool outfit, really cool. That was, have you raced in that, something like that before? Uh, well, it's Adidas. It's just an Adidas um, racing kit for this season. So, yeah, cool. um, yeah, I've raced in it before, but maybe it was a bit more obvious because it was a, a day race or something. But mm. I, I think probably the because um, I was wearing arm sleeves, matching arm sleeves. Um, which were also the the leopard print. I think that that was probably maybe they liked that. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, the arm sleeves. It was actually quite quite a cold morning, and yeah. I feel like the arm sleeves helped my arms um, 
go less sloppy when I get tired. So I just decide to wear them and yeah, it was really good. Fantastic. Um, on that note, I might move over because there's quite a few questions um, to, to some, well, they're not really listener questions. They're um, uh, Facebook questions, but we'll, we'll call them listener questions because I think that's what every other podcast says. Um, so, um, <laughs> and we're very professional here, of course. Um, so first First couple is, uh, are from Megan Little. I think Megan's based in Queensland. I think she has um, a partner who runs for the Burt Running Squad in, in Queensland. Um, yeah. So, good day, Megan. Um, so, first question from Megan Did you have a goal time for the marathon and the, the, the training that you did leading up to it? I know that we talked about in the, in the lead in, um, you, you were sort of talking around that 227, 228 mark, but um, I guess, you know, when you said, okay, I'm going to go with the 229 pace, so you were just sort of locked into that sort of time frame, weren't you? Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't really know. I thought I could run anywhere between sort of 227.30 and 2.30. And I thought um, when I knew, you know, it could be windy in those last six miles and we decided to go with the 229.30 pace and we knew that that was a world championship qualifier, um, that's why I decided to go with that. And yeah, I kind of, you know, it, it's always a gamble in your first one because you don't, you, you can train for the marathon, but you don't actually ever do the marathon distance in training. So you can do a 30 K tempo or whatever, but you'd be mad to do a 42 K, you know, tempo or 42 K hard run just to see what you can do for the marathon. <laughs> Um, because it's just too much of an injury risk and you're basically running your race before you race. Um, so it's always a bit of a, there's a bit of guesswork involved. Um, but yeah, I think what I ran was about where I'm at. I, like I said, I definitely think that I've got some things to work on for the next one, um, in terms of the nutrition side and, and then, um, just more confidence and in knowing, as well like and I just think that I'll take confidence from from every every marathon that I do from now and I've had that experience as well and you know the half marathon and you know even five and ten k's um but I specifically remember my first half marathon and just doing really well but then also knowing that wow I know how this feels now and I know that I can go harder than this you know I know that I'm going to go faster than this and um yeah of course you you do the training and you get the experience and it's another block and I think Sarah Hall's got this great quote about each training block being the floor and not the ceiling you know that each training block is the floor for the next um for the next marathon so yeah that's what how I'm gonna kind of look at this this next build up it truly is the long game, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's um, it's yeah, it's it's a great spot you're in um because you've got you've got a, a great one out um but yeah like you said you, the, the next one just builds on the last so um that's a, it's a fantastic position you're in um thanks for that the the other question that Megan's got uh was did the marathon lead up to your expectations um I read somewhere I think it might have been your Instagram post that uh it was the most fun you've ever had in a race. And you're very well known for, of course, for your 10,000 meter races um, going back, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, and, and you've won a couple of Zartex. How does it compare? How does the marathon compare to the 10,000? Yeah, I think um, it definitely 
it was above and beyond my expectations in terms of how fun it was because I was definitely preparing probably over preparing myself for how painful it was going to be and I think I deliberately did that because there's nothing worse than going to a, a race or a, you know a big event that, that thinking that it's going to be easy and then it's not and then all of a sudden it feels much harder than it would have had if you had just thought if you had been prepared for the pain <laughs> if that makes sense so I think I overcompensated for that and was really ready and really ready to lean in and grind and suffer and and all of that and of course that did come and there was definitely a point of the race where I did have to do that but it certainly wasn't as brutal as what I thought it would be and um and that part of it was fun because I knew that I was running well and I knew that I was um you know I was catching a couple of girls and I was able to catch you know pick up a couple of places and that always spurs you on especially towards the end of the race um, when you know you're really finishing strong um how does it compare to track races I mean like you know, I've had some absolute banger track races. Is that a pet in 2015 where I qualified for Rio? That was incredible. And so it doesn't probably doesn't really compare, but it's um yeah, it's it's the most fun I've had on the roads for sure. Um, and you know, the experience made me made me cross the line and think I cannot wait to do that again. Beautiful, uh, Eloise. Um, so the next question is from Ian Fisher. Uh, Ian is from Orange Runners. So thank you, Ian, um, out from beautiful Western New South Wales. Lauren Reed's based in Orange, another very good runner. Um, yeah. Eloise, now that you've completed your first marathon, what do you think you could change in your training? Was there any areas where you think you could improve on? Um, or do you think it's a process of fine-tuning what you did in the lead-up? And also, what did you learn from London? Um, so it's probably a good question for Nick, really, but I think, um, in terms of training, um, I think we, if we talked about it, I guess I, the next one, we'd probably build on the miles that I did. I feel like we were, he was very conservative, um, in how many, k's I did and what we kind of capped it at I think my biggest week was 155k um, and I did three weeks like that um, but mostly it was sort of hovering around 145 140 that was over six days so I was I had I have a day off on Saturdays usually um, and I've, I've been doing that for the last probably 10 years um, and so I think he would probably my case or we'd add some cross training I know that Charlotte did a lot of cross training um in in particular this build up because she's had some injuries the last two years and um just to break that break that injury cycle keep the mileage a little bit less a little bit lower and um and fill fill that in with cross training to try and build that aerobic base and I think I'd probably do a little bit more of that the thing with um I guess it's a little bit different. And I know even with Sinead, um, like her kids are a little bit older, but I know that Nick makes provisions for the fact that I've got young kids. And so it's just, it can be really difficult to run, you know, the 180, 200 kilometre weeks um, when you're looking after a two-year-old as well. <laughs> so, um, and it's not to say that I, I, I'm not sure that I would run any better 
to be honest, at, at running 180, 200 kilometres a week. Um, and it's just a risk. So we're not really prepared to take that risk. If I, if I know that, you know, maybe in two or three marathons time, I'm running fast enough for to be, you know, really, really competitive at some major marathons, then I, I, I'm doing the right thing and I'm on the right track and I don't need to... I don't need to dig any deeper in terms of mileage and um, yeah. So like Nick kind of looks at the whole person, which I really appreciate. And um, you know, he kind of takes that into account. Um, and so, yeah, at the, probably a, a little bit. So the short answer is I would probably up my K's a little bit, but not much. And I probably add a little bit of cross training um, to build, to build on my aerobic base. Yeah, fantastic. That's great. And and yeah, it I think the the old adage that um more is better is is very much a, a a dead saying now because we've seen time after time, um, and in particular Nick's athletes, um, you know, all, all six uh, male and female marathoners uh, at the Olympic Games were from Victoria and the majority were with um, Nick Bedell as well. So um, he's obviously doing something right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um cool. Uh Jason Went from Sutherland, your home club. Thanks, Jason. Um, hi, James Eloise. With a young family, did you do any pram running? Uh, of course, we see so many pram runners, uh, the, the, the warriors that they are, men and women out at park runs every weekend. Did you um, take the little ones out for a run? They are warriors. I, I only did it once. I actually <laughs> had a, um, Bob, uh, the Iron, Bob Ironman sent me a, well, it's, his name's not Bob, but Iron Man, the company, the pram company sent me that they're Bob Iron Man. And um, straight after I had Indy, uh, which is really good of them. And I actually didn't need to run with it that often. There was just one run that I had to do that I got stuck where Johnny was working and um, yeah, didn't have anyone else to, to look after Indy. So I just took her on a run with me. And um, yeah, it was fine, but mostly I, I didn't, I didn't really need to, but we walked a lot with that pram and it was, it's an incredible pram. So if you do get a, if you do need to run um, or want to run with your baby, get a Bob Ironman pram because we still have it and we still walk with it and it's our favorite pram. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So the short answer is no, I didn't do a whole lot of running, but um, yeah, heaps of walking and um, yeah, it, it was just more of a practical logistical thing for us that I didn't really need to, to take the kids um, running with me. Yeah. Great. Cool. Maybe one day we'll, we'll yeah. see, we'll see you down some park run and <laughs> rolling around at, you know, 17 minute pace yeah. <laughs> with the pram. It's like, it's like an eight year old in the pram. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Wait, extra, extra weight training. <laughs> oh, Nick can throw down the cross training, can't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Thanks, Jason. That was a great, great question. Um, Dave Kissel, of course, from St. George. Um, Dave's a, a great official of ours and, and loves his cross country and, and distance running. Um, Dave's got a couple of questions. Uh, first one, Eloise, what was your long run pace? And how did you settle on that pace? Did you use um, any sort of pace calculator? And were these long runs usually evenly paced or did you do them as more of a progressive run? Um, that's a good question. Most of my long runs were just easy runs because we do two bigger workouts a week. So Tuesday was a big track workout and Friday was my main sort of marathon road workout. 
um, where I do sort of six by three K or four by five K sort of up to 20 to 25, 20 to 25 K of sort of harder running. Um, and then Saturday I'd have off and then Sunday I, my longest run would be two and a half hours. I did that for uh, probably five weeks or six weeks. Um, and it would always just be easy. Like Nick was really adamant that I was just getting the time on the legs. And I asked him probably more than once if I should be running faster. Um, but cause I'd seen like, and I mean, this is a really interesting thing because even when you get to this level, you can look at social media and compare yourself to others and doubt. Um, your own program and every now and then I did have to go back to Nick because this is so foreign to me have, have to go back to him and say am I you know is this right am I doing the right thing I see that this person's like doing their long run at this pace should I be doing it at this pace and he was like absolutely not um, this is where you're at this is your first one we're just trying to get the work done we're trying to callous your legs and the you know the only way, one of the best ways to do that is to, to just get time on the legs. Um, and so most every, I do my long runs on a Sunday and I start at 6am. So it's really hard to run fast at that time anyway. Um, like our, my first couple of Ks are in like 4.35, 4.40 even. And then we gradually drop down and then probably the last um, at least the last, so of a 36, 37 kilometer run, at, the, at least the last 15 to 20 kilometers would be um, 4.0 something or just under. Um, I think the fastest average pace that I did for a long run in my build up was 4.05. Um, yeah, so not not blistering but like we were moving and we didn't when we you know that last 15 to 20k you barely notice that you're running faster you just warmed up and into a rhythm and you can still chat away and you know you, you go to three patches where you get tired and then come out of them and feel good again and um but yeah there was nothing nothing blistering about the long runs it was just about getting time on the legs yeah fantastic and um you you Bring up a couple of good points there. The first one is the uh, the Strava scrolling, which I think uh, we've all been guilty of at one time or another, <laughs> and, and 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 seeing oh why is that person running sub force for thirty k on their long run and that's <laughs> essentially faster than their marathon pace. Uh, I have certainly been guilty of that as as well. So um so you're talking about four oh fives as your quickest long run. That's still thirty seconds off your marathon pace for London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, um, as I said, my main marathon training session was the Friday where I practiced running at marathon pace and that was up to 25Ks. So to do that again, like two days later or less, sometimes less than 48 hours later, because obviously we're doing it at 6 a.m. on a Sunday, um, it's probably a bit risky, you know. So it was more about using it as a recovery run, but also getting the, the time on the legs so that I know what running for two and a half hours feels like. And it's not necessarily the pace or the distance. Um, and I mean, we're still running 36, between 36 and 37K in two and a half hours, but um, it was more about just, yeah, like I say, callousing the legs and, and getting your, 
your mind as well ready to to be um running for that long yeah great um next question is from dan hogg from athletics east thanks dan uh favorite session um i feel like i might be able to sort of answer this i remember you posting a four by five k at marathon pace for two minute jog Mm -hmm. yeah i liked that one um there's also another one where we did um i did this twice actually 20k um at well the first time we did it it was meant to be 20k at three you know 330 330 for the odd k's and then 350 for the evens it's like so a long, basically, long fart like basically. Alternate, yeah. And yeah. then next time I did it, he wanted me to do it in 3.20 and four minutes. So 3.20 and four minutes, yeah. 3.20, four minutes for 20K. Um, and that was kind of fun. That was, yeah, just broke it up. And, um, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed all of those those workouts. Like we did, yeah five by two K and six by three and just gradually built up the distance that we're running in the rep um, as we went. And then, yeah, started to do those longer 20 K. Um, I did one 20 K tempo at, at marathon pace. And um, that actually didn't give me that much confidence, to be honest. <laughs> I was about to ask you that question. <laughs> it didn't. And um I'll tell you why. I actually didn't really expect it. I thought that I would feel much better. I thought that I would run much faster. And even though he said it's a marathon pace, I thought, oh, yeah, but, like, I'm going to go a little bit faster than marathon pace because it's I'm not running a marathon. I'm only running 20K of a marathon. And I actually couldn't run that much faster, but I was 10 weeks into the program and I was just cooked and I didn't. I, it was at that point that I really started to respect the work that I had done and the work that I'd put into my legs for the last 10 weeks. And then, um, yeah, and then it was all about mentally um, reminding myself that once I freshen up, it's going to feel a lot easier and I'm going to be able to do that twice, hopefully. And, yeah, it was That's- about, it was a real mental game of going, no, I'm good. I'm still good. I've just got to, I've got to be able to do that twice. And even though I was, I felt pretty cooked after doing it, um, you know, only, only half the distance, but that's what, sometimes that's what happens in training is like, it's an accumulative effect and you can't, or it's dangerous to get um, caught up in the time and the pace and almost in how you feel as well. Like you can almost overanalyze how you feel because nobody's going to feel good after 10 weeks of marathon training. Like nobody, if you do, you're probably not training hard enough. Um, and yeah, I, I, I messaged Nick after that workout and like, I'm, I didn't really feel great and I didn't, you know, run that fast. And he's like, this is exactly how I, I, um, I thought that you would feel. So don't worry, move on Sunday it's- long run. It's, yeah it's 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 such a good point and and particularly and again uh, i think everyone who goes through their first marathon block like you said will, will experience exactly the same thing season marathons experience exactly the same thing um and you know the 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 mindset like how you know you come out of week 10 feeling not great and you haven't 
smash the the twenty k tempo. Um, it, it it's it's is it backing your coach and 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 again, you know, trusting the process. We hear that so much. Trust the process. It's is is, is that what you're thinking after that run? And okay, no, it's it's all right. Coach says it's fine. Um, I'm just going to get up and, and and do the next one. Yeah, I think yeah, I think just remembering his words and remembering like uh, having him affirm that no, this is exactly how I'd expect you to feel. Like this is exact. You are exactly where you need to be right now. So get your long run done on Sunday and then we're starting a new week, you know, like it's not, you know, it's a rest day on Saturday, which I really needed that week. Um, and yeah, just forget about it. Like you, you plowing through the work and, you know, you still go in and out of like, what if, or like, you know, um, but I didn't, it wasn't a shocker. It just wasn't as good as what I thought it would be. And I still did the, I still did what he asked but sometimes you set these high expectations for, for workouts and you think that you're going to nail it. And when you don't, then you lose confidence. Um, but yeah, it's just important to remember that, you know, I've had some of the worst workouts ever um, the, and then run a PB in my next race. And one of them was my 5K PB when I ran 1454. I had an absolute shocker, the, the workout before I ran 1454. And, you know, I ran a six-second PB and um, after running an absolute, like an absolute dog before, like three days beforehand. Wow. Three days. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And so, Um, I mean, experience, experience helps in that way and that you can look back at those times and go, oh, yeah, this is okay because I've done this before. I've been through this before. And your mind can tell you whatever, but not every thought that you have is true. Absolutely. I, I might um, veer off. I think we have one or two more questions left, but I want to veer off for a second because I feel like when people, um, you know, particularly if they're self-coached or maybe they're, they're, they're coached um, online, they start turning towards their uh, running mates and, and um, you know, training groups and, and ultimately social media for guidance um, after bad runs. What do you think that are some of the, um, the things that you need to keep in mind during a long marathon block and just being, I guess, a little bit more wary of um, social media because it has such an impact, I think, on, on people when you know, they, they get back, they upload their run from their, their Garmin, they'll put it on Strava, they'll put it on social media, they'll put a screenshot of the splits. Um, it's, all, it's there for the world to see and, and, and they put themselves on display in, in one way. What, what, what's some, I guess, the, the advice you'd have if, if you've gone through, you've maybe smashed it and you're really proud of it versus where you haven't had a good one and you, know, you might post it anyway um, and then people are sort of like, you know, oh, it's okay, you, you'll get better. What's some of the things you, you, you might um, give advice on, on, on the social media side of things? Yeah, I think, I think one of the things to remember, one of the main things is that, you know, one bad session doesn't make you a bad runner and one, you know, session that doesn't go so well, it, it doesn't, it's, it's really kind of irrelevant unless you look at the whole picture and that that was the you know that's the example for me is that you know like if I had of if you put that if you just looked at that that one workout that I did and you only looked at that then you'd probably go oh yeah well you know maybe maybe you are in, in sort of 235 shape um, but then you look at what I'd done the 10 weeks beforehand 
and you go like you you know you're gonna kill it um and so I think remembering that it's it's a whole um there's a whole story to it it's not just one day or one workout that um should give you confidence it should be a whole like look at the whole training block look at the the work that you've done you know for the last for the months leading in and not just one workout you know there's uh, there's generally when I was training for five and 10k races and we we're doing three workouts a week only one of those maybe would be reasonable one the other ones would be terrible <laughs> and um but it's it was just about getting them done and getting them done you know as best you can um for how you feel and for the energy that you have and you know you work on little things and you know if, if nutrition or iron levels or you know lack of sleep is a thing then you work on all of those little things and you do all the one percenters so that you can give every workout your best effort but at the end of the day you you're not going to be able to kill it in training every time and yeah i think the comparison thing can really steal your joy as well you can really still steal um you know your confidence and i think just being really aware being really self-aware of that and knowing that okay i'm feeling a little bit fragile because i just had a workout and it didn't give me the confidence i was hoping just take a step back from you know scrolling take a step back from going on strava and um you know, go back to what you have done in the last few months and go back to, um, yeah, the work that you have put in and be affirmed by you, be affirmed by what you have done and what your body, what you put your body through, what you put your mind through. And that should give you confidence rather than looking at someone else's, you know, program or, you know, their highlight reel from a workout. I think, um, yeah, I think just kind of taking a step back from that and creating space is important when you're feeling a little bit fragile, a little bit like, oh, you know, like there's some doubts that kind of creep in because you can, I think you can dig yourself a bit of a hole there as well because then all that does when you lose confidence and you go and compare yourself with others through social media, through looking at social media um, or Strava times, your next workout, all you're going to try and do is prove yourself and, and look for feedback. And when you're coming into a race like a marathon, that can be disastrous because if you've got 10 or 11 weeks of training behind you and in your legs and you go out and try and prove that you can still run this time for a marathon when you're doing a workout, you know, that is not irrelevant, but it's just about getting it done again so that you can give the marathon your best effort. Like you can leave your race on the training ground like two weeks before just because you're trying to gain confidence. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that helps, but, yeah, that's what I would say. Just create space, um, write down, go and write down physically what you've done in, in, or remind yourself of what you've done in the past a um, few weeks or months in the build-up and one session does not make you a bad runner. 
don't leave your race on the training ground. Very wise words. <laughs> I love that. Um, I, I just go back to 2019 when I was actually racing. So <laughs> I just go back two years. Um, that helps me. <laughs> um, that's fantastic. No, I really, really appreciate that, Elise. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, a last couple of questions. Um, Susan, uh, I'm not sure where you're from, Susan, but thank you for your question. Uh, thanks. Really admire Eloise. Congratulations on your amazing London debut. Um, what training sessions helped you most, uh, I guess, transition from the, the 510K to the marathon? So, so that, that bridging gap before you start hitting those, those longer 20K tempos. Yeah, so um, we kind of started out with, uh, I mean, my, my normal tempo was 10K. Um, when I was training, even for the five, five K on the track, it was a 10 K. And so we just built off that. So we did, um, I think we started, well, I started with the, the 20 K, um, like fartlek where I do, you know, essentially 10 K of it hard. So one K hard, one K easy, one K hard one. It wasn't easy. It was more like a float. Um, but it was 10 K of like real effort. And the other, the other 10K was afloat. And then, you know, I think it was a, um, we kicked off with a five or six, no, it was a seven by 2K, seven times 2K with a two minute float and then six times 3K with a two minute float and then um, five by 4K, I think it was, and then five by, and then four by 5K and then a full 20K tempo. And then um, I did I did this one workout where I did um, 10k tempo in the morning and a 10k tempo in the evening, which was which was whack. Which is so it was so weird. And I was a bit like, oh, how's this gonna feel? Um, and I actually think that that was probably one of the one of the sessions that actually prepared me for that last 10k of the marathon because. You know, you can get yourself up for one workout in a day and, you know, your adrenaline and everything. And it was so weird to have to stay up all day to do the same thing again, exactly the same thing. Um, and it went really well. I ended up running a little bit faster in the second one. I was a little bit more warmed up. It was obviously the end of the day. And, um, I mean, Nick he doesn't care about the tempo. I mean, he does care about the pace, but like he would chastise me for saying I went a little bit faster in the second one. Um, but cause it's just meant to be at marathon pace. But um, yeah, I really feel like that, that prepared me that, that sort of workout prepared me for um, that last bit of the, the marathon, because um, again, it was like you were running on tight, really tired legs and you were trying to run at marathon pace on, on really tired legs. Um, but, yeah, I'd never done anything like that before, like n not even for the half marathon. I've never done two, essentially two workouts in a day. I've obviously done, um, you know, a workout in the morning and an easy second run, like a 30-minute shuffle. But, yeah, the getting up for two workouts was interesting. But, it, again, it was like one of those things that I'd kind of overcompensated for in my mind, thinking it was going to be really hard. And then it ended up being okay. That's fantastic. 
Um, and, and, and that's a really logical progression, isn't it? You, you talked about the 7x2K, 6x3K, um, uh, uh, 5x4K, 4 by So it, it, it makes sense how it steps up. And I think that, you know, those training principles of either, you know, increasing the distance or increasing the pace or shortening the recovery, all those sort of come into play, I, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, yeah, I think he was really methodical about... Um, you know, what pace to do the recoveries at and, and even what pace to do, do the actual intervals at. And um, yeah. And I mean, I had not much of an idea what marathon training looks like. Like obviously I've been training with marathon runners for that, you know, I've trained with Benita and um, when, when she was on fire um, in her career and, um, but I never really like delved into the detail. I knew that obviously like you do a long run, which is two and a half hours or up to two and a half hours or two hours 40, like, but yeah, the, the, the sessions were like, they were a bit of a mystery bag each week. So Charlotte did tell me a few of the workouts that, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely, um, I, I, I think Nick has definitely evolved as a marathon coach over the next, over the last few years. And, feel like he's really nailed um nailed the program um in terms of you know I know it'll look different the next time around for me um but in terms of like a debut that's that that was exactly what I needed fantastic um that is excellent there well actually someone's typing a question as I'm speaking so <laughs> I might I might buy myself some time uh, with another Dave Kissel question um, this this one's the the sort of mental um, the, the mental game um, did you have a, a mantra a song um, any mental tactics you know wh- because I feel like if anyone's who's, who's done a marathon you get to k 3637 and your mind is almost your, your biggest enemy at that stage. It's it, it's literally telling your body to stop, and you're having to fight that to say, you know, keep going. Um, you you had a very good 35 to 40 k compared to a lot of people who might not be um, not might might not succeed in that mental battle. What what helped you you sort of just stay in there and 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 stay under that that two thirty barrier? Um, yeah, I had a, I had a couple of um, little tools that I used mentally. Um, definitely the mantra would help me towards the end of the race because, as you say, like your mind, your body gets so tired that you can't even think. I actually think that that was probably one of the reasons why I did miss that drink station because I was just so, I was so zoned in. Um, I was so focused on like getting, getting to the finish line and, you know, this just staying in, you know, but, but st- trying to stay in the moment at the same time and not really looking, um, you know, not really being distracted by anything else. When I heard those women tell me that my outfit was really nice, that was like in the first 10 K. <laughs> so, so just so you know, that wasn't in the, that wasn't, I mean, they may have said it in the last, in the last. It, it, it might've helped if they you know, caught a bus to 39 K. <laughs> I wouldn't have heard it. Mate. Heard it. Um, but yeah, like, like that first 10, 20 K, I was really kind of allowing myself to, to hear the crowd, to feed off the crowd. And, um, but yeah, post that it was about, um, really zoning in and really focusing on staying in the moment and um, one of the things I kept saying to myself was calm and strong calm and strong calm and strong um, 
And I think that really helps, you know, calm, you know, stay calm amongst the, the pressure and the pain and the suffering, stay calm, lean into it. And then strong is like, um, it kind of speaks for itself, you know, like stay, stay upright, stay tall. Um, and, and, and calm plays into my breathing as well. Um, and so I really like those two words. They, they hold a lot of power for me. Um, and yeah, I was kind of repeating those in the last, those last few K. The other thing I did, um, and I mentioned this in, in a podcast I did with Rory, our podcast actually on, um, what's right within. I'll give that plug at the end. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I talk to myself in third person and I actually do this a lot at training and it scares the crap out of Rory because he thinks that I'm talking to him because I just pipe up with that. And, um, but yeah, in the marathon, I, I said something like, um, five laps, uh, Cohen Eloise is five laps of Mario Kart, which is what we call our circuit that we do at home. It's a 2k circuit and we use that a lot for our marathon workouts. And, um, so yeah, my, when, when there was 10k to go, I was just like, it's five laps of Mario Kart. You've got this, you know, and Mario Kart, we've, I've run a million times. So it feels like a million times over the last three months. So, um, it seemed like it was familiar to me. I could do it. Um, you know, I imagined that, um, you know, my husband was driving the car behind us and, you know, Rory was alongside me. Johnny was, Johnny was driving behind us and the kids are in the back seat. and, you know, I can do that because I've done it a million times. And so taking myself back to that place was actually really helpful as well. And, um, in, in, in staying calm and staying strong and, um, yeah, so I think that they were, they were probably the main two tools that, that I used um, that were really helpful, especially towards the end of the race. Fabulous. Um, that's, yeah, that's great. And, yeah, for, for yeah, mental cues, use them, uh, use them in training, use them when they get hard in those, the back end of those long tempo runs and, and use them on race. So that's great. Um, and the question did come through uh, a buzzer beater from Joe Burke Martignoni. Thanks, Joe. Um, such a great performance, Eloise. I ran London in 2019 and honestly found the crowds and noise a bit overwhelming, um, assuming there was a little bit uh, you know, pre-COVID that might have been double the crowd in, in 2019. Um, I'd be curious to hear her impressions about the difference in atmosphere between running your world marathon major and a track event. Now, we might have to <laughs> specify between... Um, the Olympic Games and Zadapec, because <laughs> there's a slight difference between 100,000 and maybe or oh, a couple of thousand for lucky at Lakeside um, or Box Hill. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, well, even the last track event I did, obviously, was at Bankstown when I was trying to run the Tokyo qualifier. And obviously, there was about 16 people in the crowd, most <laughs> of my family. So, um, <laughs> so it was a stark contrast to that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I I love running in front of the crowd. Like my my brothers tease me and call me a peacock because I've always loved, I've always thrived in like running in front of people. And um, I don't know, it's what it's it's so much fun to be able to, um, yeah, to be able to have crowd support. And um, I mean, I I feel like I really thrive when 
um, when there is a big crowd. So it was it was overwhelming, as I said, at times, um, just because it was so loud and you couldn't really make out what anyone was saying, um, except, you know, early on in the race when I heard people calling out about my outfit, which was really kind. Um, but other than that, like across Tower Bridge, like you had no idea and it was just like what what is it's almost like you were kind of looking I was looking behind a little bit going what are they yelling at like <laughs> you know are you are you calling for me um but yeah I mean like when I got into it I just really used the crowd as as energy and um and yeah and I mean even watching Chicago Marathon and Boston um watching the live streams of those um just this weekend gone I thought wow like there's there's other marathons like London as well there's there's these marathons um where you know it's basically start to finish people people encouraging you and cheering for you and um and being really interested in the race and the race result and watching like the marathon is such an unfolding story you know it's such an unfolding story and anything can happen and you know I think there's something really beautiful about watching somebody run a marathon too I loved watching our our women especially in Tokyo um run the their marathon races and watching their stories unfold and you know watching and being really curious about the the pain and where their minds were going as well within that pain and or, or amongst that pain and um yeah it's such a spectacle and yeah I loved every moment I'm really looking forward to one of the big ones that I would love to do is New York um it was where I was born and um yeah, I'd love to go back in and, and do New York, definitely. I did not know that. There you go. Fun fact. I did. I'm definitely Australian. <laughs> it's my Bogan voice. But <laughs> I was born there and I spent the first sort of uh, probably 12, yeah, 12 months of my life there. So I have dual citizenship. I have an American passport. Oh, that's handy. Absolutely. Handy. Yeah. They'll, um, they'll get you on a Fifth Avenue hotel for New York Marathon. <laughs> yeah um fabulous well um we've got uh, i don't know the the long history but um lisa waitman in recent years ran very well in um new york uh i think she may um be looking to do not not this year but but in the future so um yeah new york on the cards I, i i feel like almost the natural question as well and um you know again i've only done one of the world majors but people are asking me oh when are you going to do the other five um is, is <laughs> Shalane just happens to be doing them all within seven weeks which is yeah just I mean what a savage huh how good how good <laughs> I've, I've loved watching her do that like amazing amazing for, for those for those she's who, having so much fun as well exactly and for those who don't know Shalane Flanagan one of the best um, American uh, marathons of all time first uh, American woman in 40 years to win the New York marathon in 2017 I think it was um and uh, yeah, so she's running all uh, six. I think Tokyo's postponed, so I'm not sure which one her sixth is going to be. But she's done four out of five that are going ahead now. Um, she's aiming them to do uh, all of them in under three hours. Um, I think her personal best is, is well into the low two twenties. So you know, it, she's running about two forty at the moment. But 
um, what was phenomenal for me is that she did Chicago on the Sunday. Um, I think she ran about 2.46, something like that for Chicago. Next day, Patriots Day in Boston. So literally less than a 24-hour turnaround, goes and runs to 2.40. Uh, unbelievable. Savage. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and she's yeah. got New York to go. Amazing athlete. So good. Um, well, that's that's all the questions. Um, I guess from now, like you know, it's yeah, you're recovering in in hotel quads, as you, as you yep. so well put it. Um, you, you've got oh, you're still sort of early days, aren't you? Day day four, day five. Yeah, day four. Four. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> Ten to go. Yeah. So, you, you can count on two hands. hundred percent harder than running a marathon. Somebody asked me that today. I'm like, this is definitely <laughs> harder than running a marathon. <laughs> How dumb. This is this is cruel, really. Because because obviously all the Olympians um, did it when when they came back. Did, have they? You know, did Sinead talk to you about what she did for fourteen days when she got back? <laughs> oh yeah, she, yeah, she's working. I mean, I'm I'm working. I'm still okay. work for our foundation. And oh, of course, um, you should talk. You should talk about Love Mercy while while we're here. Actually, yeah, great. Um, yeah, Love Mercy Foundation is obviously a foundation where we. Um, that we started 10 years ago when I met a Ugandan athlete, Julius Achon, and um, we partnered with him in order to run um, projects with communities in Northern Uganda to relieve poverty. And um, yeah, it's going, it's going really great. We, um, we're, we're, um, we do, you know, ma- mainly the fundraising side and, and operations side alongside our local team, our team of locals in, in Uganda. We work in um, healthcare and food sustainability um, through a program called Sensor Seeds and also drill wells for clean water. Um, so, yeah, if anyone's interested in donating or coming alongside us, uh, you can find out more information at lovemercyfoundation.org. And, yeah, you can go and, and donate and um, become part of our support crew and, um yeah, the, the impact of, of even just $30 um, in Uganda can, can transform a life. So um, be incredibly grateful for any support. But, yeah, we've, we, you know, obviously working on, on that um, whilst I'm in, in hotel quarantine and got a couple of um, school gigs coming up, like speaking gigs on Zoom um, that I do with my training partner, Rory Darkins, who's also a... Um, a psychology practitioner and mental skills coach so our presentation is called unlock your olympian olympian mindset and um yeah that's really fun to to present to young people in in high schools and um what else have been doing i've got about another four podcasts lined up next week um i'm just going to knock them all over before i get home um sorry i'm the second of six i feel bad (laughs) (laughs) so fine so fine um and obviously i've got a treadmill here so i'm trying to get a run done today i didn't get on there until 4 p.m because i was just like the treadmill um but yeah other than that i'm just keeping busy i'm just you know i'm keeping it light on instagram and pretending that i'm really bored but 
I'm actually doing okay. Thank well, you for the people that reached out and asked me if I was okay after my post. Yeah, I saw a few of those questions as um, well. Yeah, some people were like, oh, this seems like a cry for help. Um, but <laughs> I was actually, um, but thank you, because um, that's really important to ask people that question. But yeah, I'm actually doing absolutely fine. And um, yeah, no, that's it's all good. Really good. Um, that that podcast, by the way, with Rory, uh, what's right within, available on Spotify as well. Um, for anyone interested, um, Eloise, uh, uh, you spoke on that one last week, didn't you? Yeah, um, yeah. Had a chat to Rory. It was really my, you know, my my psychology debrief after the race, and Rory just wanted to record it. <laughs> oh, well, see, people like me quite, are, are incredibly interested. Out yeah, of the, love I vulnerability hangover and I'm like, I can't believe we just recorded that because <laughs> um, it was less than 24 hours after the race. I'd only slept for 54 minutes. Oh, my and, God. Wow. Um, yeah, my body was just aching and I couldn't, um, I couldn't sleep through it. I took a Panadol and everything, but no, it didn't really help. It's just, it's the mar- it's the marathon. It is the marathon. The the, the final frontier of people who aren't crazy run ultras. Um, <laughs> that's what that's what I like to say. <laughs> yeah. Although yeah. there are so many ultra runs now, and they're they're phenomenal. Um, I could never run 100k, but uh, kudos to those people. Um, <laughs> Eloise, what's next for you? Um, you you looking at some some track stuff over summer? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll hopefully do Zadipec. Um, But before that, uh, the Sydney Harbour 10K is on in early yes. December. December 5, uh, yeah. Rejays are open. First first mass participation event in Sydney for two years, for those interested. Yes. Come on. Um, Wayne Larden, the race organiser, will be very, very happy and excited. Uh, so I want to support his race. And, I mean, nothing's a given. I've, I've actually just got to see how... Um, how I feel over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, it's still fresh since the marathon, so I'm just going to see how I feel in terms of these races. But ideally, Sydney Harbour 10K, and then the following week is the um, Melbourne Half, which I hope to make it down to if the borders open. And then um, cruise a bit over Christmas, and then, yeah, um, get ready for Zatapec, should that be on late January, and then um, probably hopefully a marathon sometime in March, maybe, maybe Nagoya. Excellent. Did I read somewhere that Nagoya's got like a quarter of a million dollars in prize money? It's insane. We're after the money. Me and Sinead are after the money. (laughs) Absolutely. Get yourselves on that start line. (laughs) We're dreaming. Like imagine, imagine we just came and took the win. (laughs) I said, if you win, you it's your shout for Sarkis. So <laughs> your shout for the next ten years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Um, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so in that case, if you're not racing until December, I can probably lock you into a guest spot on our live stream for the State Three K in November, can't I? Would love that. Would love that. <laughs> When's the State Three K? Well, we actually we actually are announcing it on Friday, so I can say it'll okay. be, it'll be um, Saturday, November thirteenth at Sobac okay. Warm Up. So it, it's really it was it's literally a month today, um, so we don't have a lot of time to turn it around. Um, but we we we're um, really keen on making sure that the the community three K is well supported as well. Um, I've I've been talking to Rain Mums Australia, who I know that you're very close with too, and, and making sure it's you know very welcoming, inclusive for everyone. So um, yeah, for, for those listening, if you are keen on 3K, um, jump onto ANSW socials. You'll you'll hear all about it there. 
Um, yeah, and, and get to see Eloise. I'd like to get to give, yeah. give people some fist bumps. I think it's still fist bumps, isn't it? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, we, might, we might transition to high five and then, and then hugs maybe. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. Just like the gradual progression in um, the tempo distances, the gradual progression into human contact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be so weird coming out of hotel quarantine. I was thinking about this today. I'm like, I'm going to be so socially awkward. Like I just, I won't, I mean, I'm barely out of my pajamas every day. So I don't even know what, what I wear anymore, really. It's only been four days. So I can't imagine after 14, but anyway. You'll be coming out into a new world at 80%. Yeah. <laughs> we're, um, we're going to be in a fairly good spot when you get out. Yeah. yeah that's, no, I'm really, I'm really glad about that. Um, obviously, it's been a really half, hard few months for people in Victoria and New South Wales. So it's, it's going to be nice to open up and, you know, get races back on and, have that community atmosphere and you know everything that I experienced in London I thought wow I just cannot wait for this for my crew at home and you know the the running community at home and um yeah things are looking up so it's it's good. Eloise as always it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your time um please keep us all updated and entertained on Instagram where possible um I will put a link to the uh what's right within podcast and also lovemouthversityfoundation.org link on uh the or wherever wherever this podcast goes I'm not entirely sure where it's going yet but get I'll get out as far as I can um honestly it, it was an absolute pleasure to follow you and of course Sinead and Charlotte we should mention who both have phenomenal runs as well Sinead backing up after um her top 10 placing in Tokyo with 227 and Charlotte becoming the the, uh the uh third fastest Brit all time with 223 is just incredible running by all three of you ladies um Eloise I'll let you get some sleep (laughs) (laughs) yes thank you so much we'll we'll see you soon hopefully we'll see you at state 3k sounds good thanks Eloise